I tested the file and I saw everything you just described. Yeah, it's not like, a, yes. You, so it's, you saw that movie, yeah. It's not a good movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I say welcome to Geeks with Kids, the internet's geekiest podcast from a parenting point of view. I am your Shogun Eric, alongside Steve, Hawk, Matt, and our very own Ronan Marcus. How's it going, gents? Dramatic intro. I said Ronan I like because you know he's Ooh. he's he's starting to become part, but we'll Jeremy talk about Renner? we'll talk about the no, not Jeremy Renner. <laughs> Although I will talk about Jeremy Renner later. Oddly enough, wow. Anyway, I can't oh, wait yeah. to see where that segue goes. Yeah, right. It's actually part of my movie. And like we start every episode, we check in with these fine folks and ask them what they're enjoying right now, what they're liking, what is good. I'm gonna start with my left, and that is Marcus. How's it going? What are you good, man. All is good. Uh, right now, even though I am not playing it, I'm loving all the screenshots and everything I'm seeing from Ghost of uh, Tsushima. <laughs> so it's just it's just driving me crazy, and I I can't wait to just drop some coin and get that. You should join my. You should follow my Instagram. Um, I, I already just did. I literally just did. Tsushima <laughs> <laughs> screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got. I got to put more. I have. I have. Was it almost 300 megabytes of of screen captures from that game. Did you, you you got the one with his bare ass yeah. like under a tree. That's that's, yeah. that's hilarious. I love yeah, that. And I put a little peaches symbol. Because <laughs> 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 that's the way it should be. Oh, um, nice. that, yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about Ghost of Tsushima yeah, yeah. soon. Let's move over to Steve. How's it going? What are you liking? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> um yeah, no, I am also playing Ghost of Tsushima. I actually have it for a couple days, because uh, you know, uh we were watching movies, which we're gonna be talking about real soon. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, like with every week, I'm um, still enjoying my uh my Warhammer forty K fix. Um I begrudgingly started that uh the fifth book in the fifty six book series because I've been kinda hopping around and God, it's such a tragedy. Like, I'm just like, man, all these books are so brutal. Uh, anyway, so I can't really get brutal into in it. a good way or brutal in a bad way. Brutal in a bad way because it's like setting up like the fall of certain characters, and then mm. like I thought it was just going to be about this one extremely dysfunctional legion and and it's like prideful leader, but because just on the title it has his name, but it turns out his brother and his legion are also involved. So we're going to find out how the two closest brothers end up. Uh, kind of having a breakdown, and uh, anyway, one of them doesn't walk out. That's all I need to tell you. And that's just, just going to be bad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, as if it was already like enough of a tragedy. Now I get to hear like the other side <laughs> of another. Yeah. Anyway. So, did did so you pick up the I'm humble bundle? Enjoying. Pardon? Did you pick up the humble uh, humble bundle for um, Warhammer 40k? I usually do. What was the latest one? Uh, I can't remember. I don't games, think it's up right? anymore. Yeah, it was a bunch yeah. of games like no, uh, I actually had most of those games. That's a sad part of it. So <laughs> the only games yeah. I didn't have that were in that bundle are not very good. I'll be the first to admit most uh, Warhammer themed games are mediocre at best. So. Fair enough. It's only been two good ones in the history. That's God of War <laughs> and Space Marine. That's it. Not Vermintide? <laughs> okay, no, fair enough. Vermintide, Vermintide 2 are very yeah. good. I'm pretty sure those were in the bundle as well. I Actually, think, yeah, those are the only two that I recognize name wise. Are we doing a news thing after this? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll always. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll save the news then. All okay, right, cool. cool. Um, I think I I think I have a couple of Warhammers. I was going through my Steam, my giant Steam list. And yeah. I was like, when did I get Warhammer games? But I so barely have like a handful of them there. So, so many. I will play well, they, they really loosened the grip on the exclusive rights to the license because it used to be held by THQ, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after THQ collapsed, I think there was a fundamental shift in the attitude towards the property because mm-hmm. up until like literally like three, four years ago, Games Workshop was like 
very brutal like yeah. even with fan work right and it actually was kind of disheartening because like fans would make movies not for profit or anything and mm-hmm. they would just slam the band hammer yeah. and now they're like you know what as long as you got the lore okay anybody mm-hmm. and their dog can develop a game for us which yeah. is why there are like a thousand mobile games and they're all garbage okay like <laughs> i can tell you they're garbage but the strategy is interesting because it improves the chance that you'll stumble across some game about some random little mm-hmm. thing and at least the lore is correct and it might hook you. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really smart. And plus now they're partnering with McFarlane and yeah. Bondi. So there's oh. like, there's some cool stuff coming down. Big things are I'm coming. I'm so happy. Yes. Anyway, I'm sorry. I turned into another 40 K gush. No, that's that's right. totally, totally cool. Um, yeah. Cause there was a um, Warhammer game announced at the Xbox showcase, but we'll talk about that in the news. Sure will. And it looks good. Did you see that trailer, Steve? We'll talk about it then. I think that might be what what I was going to say. Okay, that's cool. Anyway, um, Matt Moore, you're the next on my list. I'm next on your list for for what's good? Yes, what are you liking? I'm so so proud of you, Eric. I'm not the one who does it. It's Yes, don't say (laughs) it. No, no, you always, you lean into it, and then you you set him up, and he hits the softball. That's why why he's last. I'm so so proud of you guys for not uh, pushing that button. And now that I've said that, I know it's going to happen, but I really, I wanted to acknowledge this moment of Zen and joy well, before I, I have my, my soul destroyed by you I, guys. I figured um, we'd, we'd let you, um, you know, have that Zen. It is, we that, were talking about some Japanese have that, type things. That I'm wonderful. eating this, this yummy um, seaweed yeah, I salad. I saw that. We are I so feel like dramatic. I need to represent with my chopsticks too. I, sure I have an epic that. top knot in right now that no one can see, but just Me imagine too. that I have a here. long, luxurious head of hair and that is in a glorious uh, samurai top I, knot. I didn't have yes. a, um, a good um, elastic for it, so I'm using a bow that my daughter one of my daughters. See, I, I, oh, awesome. I assume you had salon day today and I wasn't going to judge. It's a good look, man. You make salon it work. Salon day is every day, sir. It's, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, what's good. Um, I'm going to go back to that. Well, that I am, I've deep dove in. I'm going to talk about TikTok. Y'all strap in for this. It's great. Uh, your boy here is on his path to 5k followers. And I'm on a great path. I'm only, I'm only 4,900 people away. Uh, but I feel like I can achieve. No one's laughing at this. This is a great bit I had all worked out. And no one, <laughs> y'all are just dead face. Like, yeah, we don't. We do not care at no, all. No, we want. We want. We want your announcement to come out clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. love it. Um, just no reactions. I was like, well, man. You know what we should do is die. we should get a bunch of these other wrestlers and come on. You know, I was I was going to talk to you about that in a separate conversation because I have stuff to plug that is not ours. But uh, it's fun Do stuff. It. I might be able to work out some stuff with later on. Uh, yeah, no, things are things are going great there. I am. Uh, nice. I've formally been inducted into uh, the TikTok Wrestling Federation. I am a rostered member, which means wow. I now have access to the the Discord where everyone basically just sits and talks shit about each other um, <laughs> to each other. It's not like it's not shady. It, we all do it to each other's faces. It's glorious. Uh, there's so many Zoom calls, like just meeting tons of like-minded, uh, hilariously insane people. Cool. From all over the world, actually, there's a couple guys from the UK, a bunch of people from the, from the states. Nice. Uh, I'm the lone Canadian, uh, which is hilarious. That is shameful. Come on, Canada. Where yeah. are you? Where's your Bret Hart love? There, there are there are Canadian yeah. promo artists. I'm the only rostered Canadian uh, in the in there. the set. So there are up and comers though, and we're we're trying to get there. It's good. It's good fun. Uh, there's more to TikTok than just underage youths uh, dancing to pop songs. Uh, there, those 
they're also teaching us how to dance to those pop songs. Ah, uh, great for them. Also, That's a fantastic. very angry Bill Nye's on there, which I love. That's true. <laughs> but there's all sorts of fun stuff. Um, hashtags are your friends. Look up stuff you like under a hashtag. You will find worlds of things that are not just sitting on your for you page. I recommend checking it out. It's a great platform. There's great people there. There's shady people there, but it's there's shady people everywhere. But there are some <laughs> phenomenal creators there that are doing stuff that. I mean, it's, if there's a, if there is a geekdom that you have, I guarantee there is a hashtag for it and there's a community there you can find. Yeah. It's the, an untapped nerd resource. Yeah. I love it. The cosplay community on Tic Tac is amazing. Amazing. Just amazing. So phenomenal people who make armor. I don't know who, or who makes stuff like that, like props and stuff. They might yeah. wanna, no, I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't want to look into there. I know a few people yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, use yeah. it, or use it to showcase their work because people exactly. will lose their damn minds yeah. when they see your stuff. Those youngins, they love that shit. Um, no, some of the, some of the old oldies that are there. Are, like, we, that's, are we the old ones? I don't know. Yeah, yeah the old ones we are. There, there's <laughs> a, there's a, we're the old ones. There Sorry. literally is a hashtag TikTok over 30. Yes, uh, where it's, you know, you'll find everyone that's over 30 and there are find another category. People. It's funny. They're like, they're TikTok parents that like a hashtag called TikTok parents. Yeah. And I'm like, all these fuckers are younger than me. What I the know. Hell? How do you have kids that are old? Dude, I mean, <laughs> we're true. not exactly, we're not exactly. I mean, we're I'm spring pushing, chickens. I'm pushing the business end of 40 right now, dude. Like yeah. we're not young anymore. I oh yeah. So, um, I, I may be starting my collection of hot sauces for, um, September. You have um, my undivided attention. They are. Yeah, what? So well, we had talked we about talk this a about couple this. days, a couple days, uh, a couple episodes ago, where Matt yeah. wanted to celebrate his birthday with a hot ones oh, challenge. Yes, oh, <laughs> yes, it was the last episode we talked about this. So I, I am going to. I am starting my collection. Um, oh, yes. Because nothing says oh. welcome to forty like losing all sense of taste. Uh, and we're doing all ten, all ten. Of course we are. Well, um, I'm gonna let you pick w- between what kind of chicken you want to eat with it, but we'll, we'll, oh, it's gotta we'll be it's gotta be boneless. I just want to throw it in my mouth and deal with the pain. And that's fair. I know that's a phrasing, and I don't care. Ah, uh, you said we said, and I'm fine. I, with I it. stand by what I said. <laughs> All right, Hawk. We're moving on to you. Oh wait, Matt, did you want to plug your your username? I don't think you said it. Oh yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, um, on TikTok, my username is that K G T H A T K G. Uh, you can find me on there. You won't recognize my voice immediately because I do not use my normal voice. I have so many voices, but synthesizers that I use uh, to mask my uh, obtrusive Canadian accent. Uh, but yeah, ch- check out, I mean, check out my stuff. I've tagged so many people myself. If you like what I'm doing, you can find other people. If you don't like what I'm doing, tag me anyways and you know, like other people's. Like there's a whole community there. They're all phenomenal people. I'm going to plug a bunch of their podcasts and and YouTube shows at the end of this because I'm shameless that way. Yeah, that's fine with me. All right, Hawk, what are you liking? You mean, what's my yum? Oh, you son of a... Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it was coming. I totally knew it was coming. So my um this week actually is something I didn't expect to like, which is the the adaptation of Snowpiercer to a TV series. Mm. Surprisingly good, very good. And um, lots of people started praising it, so I, I gave it a whirl. David Diggs is awesome. Jennifer yeah. Connelly is is great and that, but like it's it's amazing to like watch the story unfold within the train and that. I yes. think they're about nine years into their journey at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they're experiencing one of their revolutions, uh, mm-hmm. but it, it it 
dives deep into the mythology. It kind of expands on some stuff from the movie and that, that I'd always kind of wondered about, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the beds. Mm-hmm. I had a question, Hawk. How does it relate to the movie then? It is, is it actually in, like, is it based more on what the movie is based on or is it actually connected to the film? Um, it, it definitely deviates from the actual film. Okay. Uh, I, I, I would give away some plot points if I were to go sure, sure. into those deviations, but, uh, it's connected in, in basically the larger premise that a man named Wilfred and I created this train, which was basically the arc for the last remaining people on earth mm-hmm. after the big freeze. Um, there's still, you know, we see, you know, a lot of the tail section in that, which is where the movie, you know, focused most of its attention on in that. Um, but it expands out, you know, so we go to third deck and second deck and to the first deck and we see the upper class versus, you know, the the lower class and all the, all the struggle that, that ensues. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't uh, watched it, give it a shot. It's yeah. better than you might think. Mm-hmm. Nice, Has anyone nice. read the comic book? La Transpierjnez? I have not, like no. So I'm going to, I don't know if I, this is a spoiler. This it is might be. Probably. I want, um, if you are really into Snowpiercer, I don't know if they're going to go into this, but the comic book does. So I'm just going to say this now. Um, the first book is pretty much what the uh, movie was. So we saw the, the train and the, the revolt that happened. But in the second book, um, and if you remember the film, the train stops pretty much at the end. Uh, yeah, spectacularly. Um, yeah, the sec the second uh, graphic novel actually is on a different train. So there are multiple trains going around the world. Um, so it's sort of like Battlestar, where you're like, "Is this the only one?" And then yeah. like, Pegasus shows up, and you're like, "Oh shit, there's other places." Yeah. Um, so I assume they're gonna go into that in the TV show because I don't it think this is the same. I don't think this is the same train as the people from the. Um, first movie, which was the original graphic It doesn't novel. feel like it, does it? No, it doesn't. But it feels like in it's that the universe, same universe. Where multiple yeah. trains, right? Which would be kind of a cool little twist up if they finally yeah. kind of do that little reveal. It's, yeah. you know. I did hear a bit of uh, casting news for the next season. Ooh. They they um, they announced that Sean Bean joined the cast of the season two. Oh, so he's going to die. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I know. Isn't that sad? <laughs> no, no. You know what? I'm going to hope this might be the one. This will be the one where his character actually lasts. He was I'm actually in a, another TV show where he, where he was alive. It was like in the... No, no, no. This is, this is more recent. That one. No, yeah. this was a more recent one where he was like a spy. I don't oh, remember what it was I called. know the one you mean. I just can't think of the title. Golden right Eye? Because he, <laughs> <No. laughs> he died in that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, check it out. It's on Netflix in yeah. Canada. Is it Netflix everywhere? Yeah, it's Netflix yeah. everywhere. I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to go to my good. Uh, what's my good is that I've been... Oh, no, I can't talk about that. I'm under NDA for that. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I have been playing a lot of Ghost of Tsushima as well. But like I said earlier, I have been doing a lot of screenshots. And the filters are really fun and that you can change... You can so change the, the time of day and the animated weather and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Um, once you go north, there are more storms and different mm-hmm. types of weather once you get mm-hmm. up there. And it looks real pretty, and I really, really want to play it the, soon. What, the, the gear you get once you move north is just Choice. amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, have oh, some, I have some armor right now where if I do a, a standoff, which mm-hmm. is where you challenge a group of you know bandits or whatever mm-hmm. to a duel. You, I'll kill up to was it 
five people yeah five is the max five is the max but then the rest of them will run in terror (laughs) (laughs) if i succeed which is just so funny also there's fun little details which we'll talk about once we get to the actual game news yeah but anyway let's move on to the news the news the news the news the news the news news news. (laughs) in delayed movie news Tenet has been placed, was placed on the indefinite delayed list in the U.S., but it has just recently uh, had a, um, an actual um, release date in September. But it will release internationally first, August 26th, worldwide, including Canada. So we're going to get it before oh, the States. There you go. That's we're international now? We are we international. Sure are. <laughs> we sure are. Oh. Other movie news, the Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins film has been delayed to 2021. I didn't even know they started filming that. But, um, uh, he did not. I, it has a good cast, and uh, Samara Weaving is playing um, Scarlet. So you know. I mean, the first movie had I a great cast it. too. It didn't make it a good movie. Uh, did it? But did it? I, I like the names. I like, the names on it. I was intrigued. I loved Ray Park. I actually liked the Rock version of the GI Joe movie. I thought it was dumb and fun. The second one, yeah. Well, it was it just yeah, yeah. Plus, they killed off uh, Duke. I actually, yeah. killed him off. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. They didn't make a third one. (laughs) Anyway, anywho, anywho. Um, So recently there's also, because of COVID, all of the conventions that were going to happen have occurred online. So we've had Mm -hmm. Justice Con, Save Daredevil Con, and Comic Con at home. Mm -hmm. On the 25th uh, was Justice Con, and we were treated to a short clip of Zack Snyder's Justice League, where Alfred was talking to Superman in his black suit. No mullet, but still the black suit. Did anyone see this? (laughs) No, I heard. I, heard it, I didn't see it, but I heard. I, it. Saw, I saw just one screenshot of it. It looked nice. There's nothing, uh, nothing too different. Uh, they did interview Zack Snyder about the cut, and he had the following to say about Joss Whedon: <laughs> "There would be no chance on earth that I would use a shot that was made after I left the movie. There would be no way. I would rather I would destroy the movie. I would set it on fire before I would use a single frame that I did not photograph. That is fucking hard facts. Uh, by is, the way, that, that's deep, man. That's that, that's gutting. Yeah. By the way, Shots anything you see fired. in this movie that reminds you of the other theatrical movie would be because that's a thing I have I had done, and now it's been borrowed. Ooh. Interesting. Burns. Wow. Where's all oh. the love for Josh Whedon gone these days? Uh, a lot of people it, are coming out against him. Well, once he started assaulting women, it's probably bad. Yeah. Did that happen? Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. Sorry. Allegedly, it it it, it came it went out away, and, didn't it? And then it stopped being a thing that people talked about. So it's it will perpetually be allegedly because so all those that came out against him stopped talking about it. So. Yeah. Um. Which yeah. is not to say that what they said was not true. I'm not referencing that, but it whether it, it faded into the yeah. obscurity of everything else that was happening, or it was, well, whatever. No one knows because it's it's yeah. no longer being covered by any news outlets. So. It was before the Me Too um, stuff happened, so yeah. it just sort of got swept under the rug, like it did with most things like that in the media. Um, unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, also, <laughs> there was Save Daredevil Con this past mm. week, and we learned that Marvel TV chief Jeff Loeb is a raging racist. Actor Peter Shinkoda, who played Nobu, the leader of the Hand, who was the, mm-hmm. you know, the criminal syndicate in Daredevil, um, said the following. Jeff Loeb told the writer's room not to write for Nobu and Gao, and this was reiterated many times by many of the writers 
and showrunners that nobody cares about Chinese people and Asian people, so don't write about them. And they're forced to put their storylines down and drop it. Um, then he goes. Like, is that, is that yeah. real? Like he actually said that? Yeah. So this Holy is the actor shit. who said this. He said yeah. that he was privy to a storyline that they ended up um, that they were going to put in the the series, but they ended up dropping it because of Jeff Loeb. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, they that's that's sort of it makes yeah. sense, right? Because Nobu just sort of disappeared. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I did think that was a little bit off. Which is a little odd when you know he's the leader of the hand and he's kind of a big deal in the comics. Yeah. 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 So that's unfortunate. Uh, whatever. What are you? Uh, Netflix has announced plans for The Witcher Blood Origins, a six part yeah. live action limited series that serves as a prequel to the main Witcher series. Set 1,200 years before the events of the main show. The prequel show to a prequel. Yeah, the show will follow the origins of the very first Witcher and the events that led to the conjunction of the spheres, which was, um, if you guys aren't familiar with the history of the Witcher, that's when the worlds of man, monsters, and elves merged together. Yeah. It's when everything went all sorts of crazy like. Yeah, there are a couple um, eras in the Witcher, and that was sort of the big big issue. Um, Sort of like in Lord of the Rings when, you know, uh, the wizards came over from out west. Anyway. Mm CBS All Access has announced an October 15th release date for the third season of uh, Star Trek Discovery. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. They're going to have, uh, what is it, like 32 weeks of new Star Trek starting in August 5th with uh, Lower Decks. They had cool. their online Comic-Con at home panel and it was all right, I guess. Mm-hmm. I thought it was all right. No one was a raging racist on that one. So no one was a raging fun. racist. Um, they showed a, uh, they did a, they did a couple, um, uh, you know, cast reads, which was nice. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there was another much better, probably the best <laughs> Comic-Con at home um, panel, and that was the Bill and Ted Face the Music panel, which mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, it's so good. It's hosted by Kevin Smith, who tries his hardest not to cry the whole time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the love for that franchise and those characters is just so cool. And to see the love between Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. Yes. Is one of the, very cool. the nicest friendships I've ever seen. So if mm-hmm. you haven't checked it out, all of these Comic-Con at home panels are on YouTube. So mm-hmm. you can check them all out. Nice. I need some water. That's some good news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's more news. There's more. Because the Video Game Awards have also done an online panel type thing. They've been releasing new uh, news and stuff and uh, the Xbox actually had their own panels called the Xbox Game Showcase. The showcase mm-hmm. started off with Halo Infinite which in my personal opinion did not look good um, but we also got some surprises like Rare's Everwild, a new Warhammer 40k game yeah. called Darktide an updated Tetris Effect which if you guys have listened to the show know that I, that's one of my favorite yeah. uh, games ever and a, re- a reboot of the super popular Fable franchise. Any thoughts on this? I know Steve you we want to talk about uh, Darktide which looks really <laughs> Really good. Is Fable going to be an exclusive? Yes. Uh, sorry, Fable. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fable will be so all of, all of the games on Series X are going to be on Series X and PC. Boo. So, but not cross-platform. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the Fable one, I was excited about. I wasn't surprised about because there had been rumors of that for a while because they had suddenly the IP for it on Twitter had been snatched up. And 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 gotten the blue check mark with no content whatsoever. So everyone assumed a game, and they made a release about it before their their big uh, Series X launch. That no no no, we just we hold on to these just in case there might be a product coming down the line. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. 
And then <laughs> weeks later, hey guys, look, Fable. We're like, yeah, yeah, dude, we called that like two weeks ago. But I was very excited. To see it. I'm, if, it if, looks if, funny. If there were more than just that on the Xbox, I would be inclined to get one. But I learned that when I got my 360 that one title is not uh, enough to get a system for. Yeah, I agree. That seems to have been the curse of the Xbox all along. It's always been a one title system. Yeah. And if you're I mean, not a had, Halo player, it's just like, why? Why that would you was get just it? Yeah, like I, and I, like I said, I, when I had the 360, I had all the Fable games. And there was other stuff that they had that I loved that was cross-platform. But again, it was the, then I got, you know, years later, got the PS3 and went, wow, I was cheating myself real hard. <laughs> so, yeah. so um, Steve, I believe the Dark Tide, mm. from what I've learned about it just based on all of the the fandom online is that this yeah. is probably one of the first games where you take control of grunts and not like yeah um, yeah like, like i i mean i don't want to get too into the trailer i try to look into it um but assuming what the trailer shows is accurate and also based on the fact that that company made vermintide and vermintide 2 uh, we can presume that this is going to be a sci-fi Warhammer 40k version of those games. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you'll be playing basically the lowest of the low in the Imperium, which is the uh, Astra Militarum, or better known as the Imperial Guard, just the foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you don't know what Vermintide is, it's basically uh, Left 4 Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Fantasy Left 4 Dead, which was kind of an interesting you know, yeah. concept because you're wielding axes and shooting spells and crappy guns. Right. But mm-hmm. this will be closer to actual left for dead. Although if they put enough of a 40 K spin on it, there'll be some pretty amazing weapons, but yeah. you'll be super fragile. So I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. I think yeah. it's coming in 2021. So yeah. we'll see then. Um, yeah. Adult, yeah. Adult swims, ultra popular Rick and Morty has released a new animated short titled Rick and Morty versus the genocider. This eight minute anime was directed by Takashi Sano who did Tower of God and Fire Emblem's Three Houses. And this marks the third animated short following 2018's Bushworld Adventures and this year's Samurai and Shogun. <laughs> you definitely okay. check these out. They're all on YouTube. They're amazing. Yeah. Oh, wait. I was going to do something before that. Anyway, uh, Canada's okay. very own studio MDHR surprised everyone today by releasing Cuphead on the PS4. This is oh, yeah. a hand-drawn um, game, and it's supposed to look like old... Uh, Disney cartoons like Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse cartoons. Oh yeah, Steamboat uh, Willie era. Yeah, Willie area. Um, it's super hard, but it's super fun. I have it on both my Switch and my PC, mm-hmm. and uh, you should definitely check it out because one of my buddies actually worked on the music in the game. Oh, so, nice. He's one of the yeah. singers. Yeah. Um, and those yeah. songs are dark. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, dark. Done a, they're done in a barbershop quartet. Oh yeah, so, no, like the, 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 music, the music is beautiful, but if you actually stop and listen to the lyrics. It is like, yeah. it's, I can't even, it's like it's portal dark. levels of dark and twisted. Well, yeah, based on the, 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 the premise of the game. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. You are fighting for your soul back from the devil. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the final battle song is just hilariously evil. I love it. It's a fun game. You guys should definitely mm-hmm. check it out. Uh, Studio uh, MDHR is from Oakville. So yeah. there you go. Nice. Oh. Oh, anyway, going cool. back and speaking about Samurai and Shogun, Soccer Punch's Ghost of Tsushima was released on July 17th and quickly became the fastest selling original IP for PlayStation. Hmm. It sold more than 2.4 million units during its first three days of sales. Ooh. Um, Suck at Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. <laughs> I love this game. Do you guys want to talk about Ghost of the, the, the people who have um, played this? Do you guys want to talk a little bit about this game? Yeah. 
Um, sure. What you, you guys about talk it? about it. I'm going to get me a Danish. Yeah, go do it. Um, <laughs> I don't know oh, what yeah. there is to say. Like, I mean, we don't want to give anything away. I'm not all of us are at the same point, but I I'll say I was a little bit, uh, they didn't show enough, I think early on. So I was a little skeptical. And so I waited until the reviews came out, but, um, but it's just a beautiful, relaxing game for me. Mm. I just, I just like riding my horse over those, those wonderful Hills and, and then like seeing some people in trouble and just going, Oh, there's an opportunity for me to, you know, Sling you, some blood yeah. over my shoulder, you know. So, yeah. If, if people have played Infamous, this is Infamous set in feudal Japan. Really, uh, it is because I remember playing Infamous uh, uh, and just riding the rails, like electricity wise, around the whole city. Sure, and that's me on a horse right now. Yeah, that's, that's, I'd say it's closer to Red Dead, but you're right. I mean, it is actually by Sucker Punch, so yeah. it, you know, it, it, it really is Infamous on rails. I mean, there, on horseback. Yeah, but. there's one issue I have with the game, and it's the issue I had with um with the infamous game is that the jumping seems very floaty mm, um, sure. and it's, yeah, hard, it's hard to get down rocks because you have to jump and then like sort of float yeah down. that's fair that's <laughs> the only issue the only issue i have to get with the game um i like that it's hard even on normal it's hard right now yeah it's fair yeah um, and it really is um because of where it's set it's it's set um it's a real mix of western influences with samurai films it's 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 definitely a love letter to kurosawa films and yeah, most yeah. most really good samurai films because the the films that we're going to talk about we're going to move into the main topic uh once the danish has been had um <laughs> we we um a lot of these films that we talk about are actually um referenced in the game yes um either by imagery or by story mm-hmm. um, or by random side characters talking about things which is yeah, really yeah. cool um Oddly enough, this the era that they're talking about with the um, in in Ghost of Tsushima, where it's the Mongol invasion. Yeah, right. The 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 gear doesn't match up. Like it's not the yeah, right time. Yeah, yeah. The swords aren't right. In the, yeah, yeah. But um, but you know, who cares? It's a video game. Right? <laughs> yeah, they're not, yeah. They're not going for cultural total. Yeah, cultural. you gotta let that go. This yeah, the game is uh, an homage to samurai film, which in and of itself is a bit of a construct right yeah um yeah and so this this is all about you know when people say samurai movie uh they think of a collection of things and and this this game is a love letter to all of those things Hmm. um this danish seems to be very heavy and hard to get like maybe he's getting two maybe he's doing a side quest to get this danish like (laughs) we have to do in the game so much right he disappeared on a fetch quest yeah, huh. I gotta I gotta be honest. The fetch quests don't seem boring in this game, which I like. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I that's a thing. I, I've been trying to level myself up a little bit just so I can actually feel a little more confident in all the random duels I get into. And um, yeah, I kind of want to do all the side quests before I get onto the missions. I don't know if that's yeah. a good thing or not, but no, no, that's I, a good I thing. Really actually, want to play the side quests. <laughs> the side quests are good, and um, once you finish them, they won't give you more side quests until you finish main mm. quest parts. So that's oh, nice. a good thing. Um, I definitely have wandered into areas that are like, you can't go here. You're going to die. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see if I can, we'll see if yeah. I can last. And then I'd be like, no, no, Maybe I die right away. Yeah, cool. you know? <laughs> because, um, Good to know. it's, it's so, it's so interesting, especially, um, the stances that they do. They did a lot of really good research because, um, I, I, I used to take martial arts. I, I did martial arts for some, some like 20 something years. Um, and the stances that they use in this game are accurate, which is really crazy to see like 
it done properly because you want it to be flashy, right? It's a video game. You want people to feel super powered. Yeah, that's a samurai. But uh, and and you know you you see that when he does twirls and stuff because people wouldn't do that in a real fight. Yeah, yeah, because you get stabbed in the back. (laughs) Super dramatic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but it looks great. It looks great. Actually, I wanted to ask you, Eric. You've probably played more than all of us right now. Um, so I've noticed because I'm very slowly progressing through like these skills and abilities like that. Mm -hmm. That um, I mean, I'm kind of leaning into certain abilities. Um. Do you is the game designed in such a way that you can pretty much play it the way you want? Like you don't, you're not really forced to play in any particular way, right? No. I mean, if you want to be all like ninja or you want to be all like, you know, dueling, you can go those ways, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Okay. That, they, that's, that's what I got. That was my feeling, but I wasn't really sure. So. No, there doesn't. There doesn't seem to be a consequence uh, to the form you play in that. You know, no. yeah. I, th- I think that issue kind of gets brought up early in the game in that. You know, that like the way the you know, the ninjutsu way is like very dishonorable to his his clan and yeah, his like a thief, way. right? Yeah, yeah. Because as a samurai, you ha- you face him head on. Yeah, you do the honorable way. You get the on. You get the warriors that they're like Klingons. Right? They don't want to. They don't sneak around to kill people. They kill them. Head backstabbing first. a man when he's going out to the bushes you know, for a pee. It's it's funny though when you say I don't want to go into a big Star Trek discussion, but Klingons are some of the most dishonorable like characters in Star Trek. When you get right down to it, right? They always talk about honor, but they're always poisoning and bombing each other. I mean, those guys are they're the worst. Anyway, it's true. Um, um, I do like that the game is like. You know what? You shouldn't be a ninja. Yeah. You shouldn't be a yeah. thief because it's bad. You shouldn't yeah. do it. And then you just do it the whole game and you're just like, hey, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I figure there'll be a reckoning for that plot wise because they make such a big deal about it. But it is it is nice. Like, I mean, just, you know, for point of reference, like I, I wanted to be like the consummate duelist. Like I wanted to go everywhere and just call people out and just straight up fight them. And so for that reason, I sunk all my points into deflections. Then yeah. I realized because I'm playing on hard that's freaking hard to do. <laughs> so I've had to like, I like all those points are wasted right now. I've got to like, I've, I've had to adjust. And so, but it's cool because I'm like, okay, yeah, you can play as an evasive guy or you can play as a deflective good? guy, or you can just throw yeah. smoke bombs at people's faces and then stab in the back, you know? What's, so yeah. What's good about the deflection tree is that later on when you get North and you encounter harder enemies that use different techniques, yeah. it's very good because um, and as much as you love the smoke bomb, you only get a couple people. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. The other people get angry at you, so sure. <laughs> you you definitely have to duel for sure. I, I'm hoping I can actually finally get the like I I've gotten a lot of things down since my initial like problems with it, but the deflection is still eluding me. And like I almost have the whole deflection tree, so I, I need to learn it. I mean, it's just the the next tree is really good, points. man. You can jump off a yeah. horse and kill people. Oh yeah, no, there's some great stuff there. I just I just want it for the drama. You know? Hear that, Marcus? Jump off a yeah. horse and stab someone. That sounds fantastic. I have a screenshot of me doing that. It's just like, oh. <laughs> it's so good. It's such an oh. absurd move. Yeah, yeah. I've been taking a lot of like screenshots of just the nature because it's just yeah. so yeah. serene. It's so yeah. pretty looking. Yeah, especially when your character's naked. I was going through your your Instagram of of your screenshots and like, yeah, there's some just gorgeous imagery here. Mm-hmm. The the uh, all the like the pond with uh, all the lanterns. Yeah. Like that was nice. That's a, a gorgeous shot. It's yeah. always nice to see developers that really put the time into creating like the imagery and the ambience of a game. They're, they're, where you yeah. just like watch this, like watch this, this one, this like you can walk into a scene where something like that's there and you can just appreciate the time and effort it took for them to make that look as gorgeous as it did. And there's yeah. nice little, little touches. Like when he's riding his horse, Jin's riding his horse mm-hmm. and he, um, 
and he talks to his horse and he's like, I love you, man. You, I wouldn't Aww. trade you for anything in the world. <laughs> You're like, oh, I would say that to a horse that I owned if I love that horse that much. Or like he's riding through a field of flowers and he dips his hand down just to feel everything. Like, yeah. that, that's beautiful. Like, and then I took a screenshot because it's, it's the kind of imagery that you see in those type of movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really just paying great homage to, you know, the, the cinematic tropes that exist in those films. It's great. I love, yes, I love those moments when you're riding in that and the sun is setting right in front of you and that and the way it glistens, the way it just glistens through the trees. Yes. 100%. Yeah. And the, just the, just the aura from the sun. And it's like, Oh, there, there it is. That's and they, add, they, they have a good depth of field. Um, just like the yeah, camera uh, adjustment. The yeah, that's it. I'm starting so a GoFundMe so I can get money together to buy this game. <laughs> I think I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna bite the bullet and just be down in some money because I just I think I need to have this game. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> and if you want to watch anyone on Twitch playing this game, I know Steve. Yeah, uh, streams I, sometimes I, I, I I'll stream probably as well. start streaming it again. Yeah, I used to stream. Oh. I like I I started streaming the full game from the beginning till about mm-hmm. I don't know ten and ish hours, and then I was like. We're getting into some spoilery things, and I know some yeah. people that are watching me haven't played it, and I don't want to spoiler it. Yeah, right. spoiler yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I'm probably gonna do more just streams of me just like grinding, you know, because even yeah. that I think is uh, you know fun to see. Chasing just birds. do side missions. Yeah, the basically. birds are everywhere, and then sometimes I'm just yeah. like, "Why are you here? I don't see anything. Why are you yeah. here, Goldbird?" <laughs> yeah, there's actually still one I can't figure out. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. Oh, <laughs> uh, you might. It might be later because you might have to get. A thing to climb. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I have know. a feeling that might be it. I'm not going to tell you why. Anyway. Oh, damn it, I want to play this game. <laughs> I'm going to throw, this, throw this, this imaginary baton over to Steve as we talk about our main topic, which Woo-hoo. is... Which is samurai movies. So, yeah, with uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, coming out, I started to look into samurai movies. And then eventually we sort of just said, you know what? Now we're playing this game. we got to talk about samurai movies. So it's actually been a topic I've been sort of looking into for a little bit in preparation. Because I like to do these, like, just drop myself into the the genre, you know, like hardcore. And, um, yeah, and it's been good because, I mean, I thought I knew what a samurai movie was. Uh, and I guess to start the conversation, I mean, right away when we started talking about this topic, we're all like, well, someone's got to pick something by Akira Kurosawa. I mean, my God, right? Because yeah. the quintessential samurai movie is, of course, Seven Samurai. And, um, you know, if, if people haven't seen it, I mean, this is just one of these, like, building blocks of cinema movies, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in here because I saw a reviewer online for Ghost of Tsushima um, say it, it's a good game, but it's basically um, the Lone Ranger. And I was sitting there like, <laughs> what? Oh, no. what did you just say? And I no. like no. our it friend over, <laughs> our friend from uh, Everything Is Permitted, Brittany. Like she's the one who posted the link, and I my brain almost died. It was sort of like seeing someone write, you know what? Uh, Seven Samurai is good, but it's it's really just Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah. Magnificent like Seven. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry to, uh, to break in there, but that's just as a, as a general note to our listeners. Remember, folks, paint chips are not for f- consumption. Just just remember that. <laughs> neither are Tide Pods, I'm, my friends. That's no. Old. Please don't. Just <laughs> some of the stuff doesn't shock me anymore because of the times we live in. But that, but that boy, you just. Okay, yeah. you totally derailed my, derailed my brain. <laughs> I was say, like Seven Samurai, yeah. I mean, this is like this is a you know a movie that um, is just it's just a great film. Now it is a little long. Just warning anyone if you haven't seen it, it's like three hours. But three but hours, it, twenty-seven it, minutes. 
Yeah. Sorry, it I love captures that movie. so many elements and it took a genre that already existed. Now, Kurosawa, I mean, I don't want to get into a whole long hang thing about him because we could just yeah. talk about him the whole we'll episode. We just talk about him, yeah. We should. But um, he, um, you know, he was one of these guys who watched a lot of American cinema and actually pulled a lot of concepts, a lot of silent films and mm-hmm. took uh, a lot of elements from those. And so his shot composition and his scenes are just masterfully, you know, uh, built upon. And also samurai films up until Kurosawa were actually fairly uh, dramatic. And I would say that Seven Samurai is also dramatic, but with his films that dealt with samurai, he actually kind of created what we think of as samurai films now. Um, On that point about The Lone Ranger, because it's going to come up that Westerns and Samurai movies have like a very deep incestuous history. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to say that Seven Samurai, in terms of its plot, um, people probably don't realize, obviously, Magnificent Seven, very mm-hmm. obvious, like, remake of Seven Samurai. Yeah. But pretty, pretty much any movie that involves bringing a group of people together, right, because mm-hmm. there's some bullies and we need to get some specialists, uh, is based on this concept. Now, it's yes. not to say that the story is super original, but every movie that's been made draws like almost scene for scene. Uh, yeah. And I actually was looking this up just for my own amusement. And um, yeah. Uh, Three Amigos is also a remake of Seven Samurai. It only has three yes. guys. But it is, yeah. it, it, it is a direct translation of that movie. You think the lines, right? And another one that really made me laugh was um, uh, Battle Beyond the Stars mm-hmm. and A Bug's Life. When they're yep. talking about, we need to get bugs who can like do this you stuff for us, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For <laughs> sure. Talking about the food, the food shortages and everything is yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, Seven Samurai has direct connections to so much of like what we take for granted now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you and, you came across this in your research. Um, I don't uh, know, Matt. You, this is your film. Um, mm-hmm. Thirteen Assassins, the original nineteen sixty three film, mm-hmm. is a reimagining of Seven Samurai. Yes. So nice. uh, yeah. by Ichi Kudo. So yeah. even it's, then, like even there, they're just like, yeah, no, this is a great he, idea. We're just going to, he took the idea. We're just going to add like almost twice as many people. It's more fun. <laughs> <Exactly. now. laughs> like seven was great, but 13 is going to be epic. We can't do 14. That's too close. It's too close. It's too many. 13. Well, and there's the, the lucky numbers and all that. Yeah. As well, yeah. yeah, that's true, true, true. That's epic. I didn't know that. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I, need to, I need to go watch the original one after all of this. I just, yeah. oh, okay. I, we'll talk about it then. Cause I, I like the original as well. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's there's, Sorry, we'll, go we'll, I'll go. I'll, we'll we'll deep dive into that a little bit when we get to, to to my pick. But yeah, there's a lot of fun little tidbits about that that I, nice. I enjoy. Nice. I mean, I, I guess we'll just take a moment to talk about Kira Kurosawa, though. Like, um, you know, before I go into sort of some general elements of samurai movies, uh, what are your favorite uh, samurai movies? Uh, like, and it doesn't have to be a samurai movie, mm-hmm. uh, just a Kurosawa movie. I mean, um, uh, Marcus. God, I don't know. Seven Samurai? <laughs> is it Seven Samurai? Because it should be. It's probably going to be Seven Samurai. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. No, no, I just, I just, I'm just putting it out there just because, you know, Akira Kurosawa, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Matt, what's, uh, what's one that um, you? For me, what always, what always comes to mind, again, obviously, is Seven Samurai. That was one of the, the first ones of his I ever actually watched in, in a film history class as where it should be taught, damn it, because, like you said, it created... Sure. It created every single contemporary convention for what a samurai movie is. What a lot of people believe that culture is is based around mm-hmm. a lot of his a lot of his work and the genre as a whole. But he was sort of the grandfather of the of the 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 samurais get, banding together to fight against a common evil. So yeah, it's he's 
he, that's what he'll, I think what we'll always be known for is that grandfathering in that genre. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Hawk, uh, is there one that stands out for you? Yeah, probably Rashomon. Uh, I did yeah, nice. I did it in a film study class for my, like a final paper, and then I actually got to choose it and, uh, to myself. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, and it still stands out, uh, maybe not as a samurai movie in that, but just as a, as a great movie in that. Because, yeah. yeah. It's a good story about the feudal movie. Japan, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not just that, but it, it's 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 a layered story about one event that is told from multiple perspectives. Yeah. And so at the end of it, you're not quite sure where you left with uh, yeah. in terms of the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting like study in that sort of way of telling a story from multiple yeah. perspectives. Yeah, it's fine. It's a great one. Um, yeah, uh, Eric, uh, what, what was you, what was what, what's one of your favorites? God, it's it's hard to not just say Seven Samurai because that yeah. movie is just <laughs> so influential. I, I remember like I, I got into samurai films because of Star Wars, obviously, like sure. many of our generation did. So Seven Samurai, of course, Hidden Fortress, yeah. which is you know RTD to you and 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 uh, Padme. Um, so that's pretty much all that. Um, but uh, one that people sometimes miss is Throne of Blood. Which is a phenomenal yeah. film, and it's a Japanese retelling of Macbeth. So, mm-hmm. yes. if you haven't seen it, beautiful yeah. film. I can just keep going. I love, I love all. Of yeah, films. yeah. I wanted to make sure we didn't get too distracted on Akira Kurosawa because, like, in picking the movies for this, I, I wanted you guys to go first because I was trying to figure out, okay, is there's like some kind of a samurai movie I can slot in here that someone else hasn't like quite covered, you know, so we get a nice full picture. And yeah, Rashomon and Throne of Blood were on my short list. Um, I decided against Rashomon because, like, even though it is a feudal Japan movie and it has a samurai in it, um, it's not—he's not really the main character, right? So I was kind of like struggling with that. I don't know. Like, I was no. trying to be really technical. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it does cover a lot of things, but it's also kind of its own thing, right? And then, yeah, and then like the Macbeth one, um, I thought was fantastic, but um, but yeah, it's I, Macbeth. I, I was trying to find. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's the problem because I also considered Ron which is King Lear. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and that's the thing. Like those movies I think are much more enjoyable if we're talking about Shakespeare, you know, as yeah. opposed to just pure samurai. Yeah. We should do so, one where they take Shakespeare and spin on his yeah. head. That'd be a great yeah, yeah, episode. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. There's so many movies. I, I think that would be a fun, that'd be a great topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah. So because of Ghost of Tsushima, we started talking about samurai movies. And, um, yeah. So today we're going to talk about five uh, movies that uh, were, uh, either of the genre or inspired by the genre and uh, not to get into like a, you know, long history lesson, but generally uh, samurai movies are in Japan are Jedi Geki uh, period dramas. So they're generally set in a you know particular time and uh, they also sort of fall under uh, Chanbara, which is sword fighting movies, which you can branch off into like ninja stuff and other things. But samurai movies in particular, I feel are very focused on periods of history, which will inform a lot of the plot. And uh, very briefly, there is the Sengoku period, which is the warring states when all the clans were just fighting each other for control. Uh, Then there's the Tokugawa era, which was the long period of peace from around 1600 to uh, 1868. And that also affects a lot of samurai movies because then you have a lot of samurai just kind of doing day-to-day duties and not fighting and sort of the ramifications of that. And then uh, right at the end was the Meiji Restoration, which in Japanese history was when uh, the shogunate was eventually toppled and the imperial family was brought back in. And this is where basically the samurai era ended. Um, so you have a lot of you know issues that occur because of the 
the destruction of this caste system. Yeah. Um, and as I was mentioning earlier, uh, early samurai movies before Kurosawa were uh, really dramatic, but in particular, after World War II, uh, they started to become more uh, action-based, so you ended up having the trope of sword fights a little bit mm-hmm. more, and um, they also had a lot more of the exaggerated violence that we all love to associate with yeah. us, the gushing of blood, you know. Um, but also, interestingly, I think that a lot of filmmakers, and we're going to see this in some of the films we talk about tonight, started to use the samurai tropes uh, not as just a pure celebration of you know the tradition, but maybe as a means to question, you know, some of the, I guess, notions of tradition, in fact, uh, especially in the wake of World War II. Um, so I'm not going to go into like more of this, because I think as we talk about the movie, some of this is going to uh, come up. Um, but uh, I think we should go to Hawk, because uh, uh, his movie choice was definitely on my short list. And I think um, this is a movie that I think people just should actually watch uh, if they can, because it's a, it's a powerful movie. So um, I'll pass it off to you, Hawk. Uh, one thing I will say before that, to add to your previous comment to that, is post-World War II was really interesting for Japanese cinema in that mm, because mm, everything that mm. they did was put through a, a, a censorship bureau in that oh, for yeah. the Allied troops because they were yeah. looking for any sort of anti-American content that they mm-hmm. were filtering through. True, uh, true. It changed the way the directors told their stories and that, and uh, a few of them even found some really interesting methods in that for placing uh, some... Uh, yeah. <laughs> anti-american iconography on that yeah anyway so for my choice i chose the sort of doom from 1967 uh directed by kiachi akamoto uh based on a serial novel by kaizan nakazado uh starring tatsuya sorry tatsuya uh, nakadai as ryan nasuki uh this is about a young samurai and a master swordsman uh he has this unusual yet deadly style of swordsmanship and it is the only thing that matches it is this cruelty and disconnect from emotion that he, he approaches his entire life with. Uh, as his own father comments, his cruelty goes far beyond the sword. And we see two examples of this in the first act alone. Uh, when he kills a Buddhist pilgrim, escorting his granddaughter over the Bodhis- Bodhisattva Pass. I yeah. Don't know, I'm, yeah. And again, when he enacts this heartless plan to draw his rival in an upcoming yeah. match into a full-fledged duel. Uh, and it's uh, Nakadai's performance as Ryan Asoki is what led me to choose this film. Uh, it, it could be described as the antithesis of the samurai film. Uh, the samurai apprise honor above all else, whereas Ryan Asoki believes only in the unbeatable nature of his silent form style of fighting. Mm-hmm. And throughout the film, Nakata maintains his glassy-eyed stare. It's completely devoid oh, of Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it continues on in all the conversations he has with other characters and that, like from his sickly father and that, to Hama, the wife of the opponent and that. Uh, and just his his general his stature and those dark robes and that, they make him look like a wraith throughout the entire film. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's solely the reason I chose this film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was your sort of, like, I, I guess you were talking about his stare, but, like, um, you know, if you had to sort of uh, describe it as a samurai movie within the, the genre, like, what what really stands out about it? Like, why would you recommend this film above all others? Um, probably it has to do with kind of the darker side of, the, of mm. samurai and that, you know, because, like... In examine in watching all these other films and that, you realize that there, there's this duality to being a samurai and that. Right. There's, 
you know, there's a warrior in there who's trained for battle, you know, readiness at all times and that. And it's like, and, but also they also try and balance out a, this other life and that, you know, fatherhood, yes. you know, mm-hmm. be, you know, being a husband and that, you know, and they don't always find their balance. And as, as we've noted, like, you know, the, the whole terrain just kind of keeps shifting under their feet and that, you know, especially during the period of peace and that where their skills weren't even valued anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but for, for this character and that it's like all those other aspects of humanity that go along with being a samurai and that, yeah. There weren't concerns of his. They were absent in that. You know, his only concern was, you know, it was his fighting and his un, the unbeatable nature of his style. And even that's shaken to the core. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, I um I know that it's based on a novel, and I will say that like for people who just uh, jump into this film, it moves at a bit of a strange pace because um when the film was made, it was made expecting that the audience knew the book really well. So it, it, it skips along a little bit. Uh, sorry, Eric. There's also um, when they were making this film, they're originally going to because this is a serialized novel. So there are multiple books. Mm-hmm. So they were actually going to continue making films just to follow it along. Oh, so nice. They didn't end up doing that, obviously, because there was only one. But yeah, that's why that's also at the end why you don't find out the fate. Exactly. Uh, of, our, yeah. of our hero. I'm going to air quotes that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's apparently yeah. There was to, apparent- this was supposed to be the next uh, film. This was supposed to be a trilogy. Originally. Yeah, there were also apparently a lot of like other uh, other uh, adaptations and that throughout the throughout yeah. the years and that yeah. before this one came out and, yeah. and there was uh, one in 1957, I believe. Yeah, something. Yeah, like that. The, the novel's extremely popular, so they've done this like plot many many times. It was long running. It was serialized. It ran in newspapers and that like it kind of probably a short story form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there there was supposed to be a planned sequel to it and that. Um, yeah. But from what I understood, the uh, the director was actually forced by a studio to make this and that. Uh, apparently, something had to do with uh, with his the previous film he made. It didn't do as well as they'd hoped and that. And he was kind of kind of like uh, Orson Welles in Touch of Evil and that. He was he, he had to do this like basically at the behest of the studio. <laughs> wow. Yeah, this is the um, third. This is the third film that they made of this series. Like you know, the, 1966, they had one in 1957, Daibatsu Toge, and then 1960 they had Satan's Sword, and then 1966 they had Sword of Doom. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious. Like, I'll have to track down to see if there is another version that's a little bit more complete in terms of the plot. But nevertheless, I mean, I was so absorbed by what elements of the characters are shown and the sort of almost like destiny of them running into previous characters years later, you know, and it just got so entwined by the end. I was just like, Oh my God, I just need to know what happens, you know? Yeah. Cause this yeah. guy, like as, as Hawk was saying, like he's, he's less of a character and he becomes more of like a force, you know, mm-hmm. as, as he moves through the film. And yeah, uh, yeah I was going to say uh, just, just adding to our samurai discussion, uh, what Hawk brought up. Um, yeah. Something that becomes more, of an element of samurai movies um, is um, the obligations and duties versus the human feelings of the characters. And that's actually something that like, I think often people uh, forget is that the samurai characters in a lot of these stories, not in this case um, are, they have, they have conscience. Um, so they're weighing duty against conscience a lot of the time. And that, that creates a lot of these storytelling elements in these movies. But this is an interesting one because the main character happens to be completely devoid of conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's an interesting sort of uh, uh, examination of a, such a strange character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did anyone else have like thoughts on the sort of doom? Um, I, I thought it was really cool. I like, kind of touching on that same sort of thing that you just said there. Um, 
you know, it's so rare to have a movie where you're almost rooting as your protagonist is being like a, a sociopath, a psychopath mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, this is the kind of character that we're following. And it's kind of weird to have a moment where you, you start almost rooting for him and you're, you're almost like, you know, you're empathetic and you're like, I, I kind of get it. And I'm like, I'm hoping something good comes for him. And yeah. oh my God, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like his turn is incredibly impactful. And again, I, I, a little backstory about me is I, I realized uh, once I was asked to be on, uh, on this topic with you guys, um, my background is more in Kung Fu movies and, mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, more ninja based kind of things. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, I really kind of had to jump into the samurai, uh, world for this, uh, for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, this was not what I was expecting. Like I, especially from a 1966 movie, oh, yeah. I was not yeah. expecting such incredible, um, nuances, such beautiful mm-hmm. cinematography and such like really cool grips with, with this characterization of that stone faced, icy glared man. Mm-hmm. I, there was so much going on in there. And on so many levels, I was just, I was constantly wondering like, is he going to redeem himself? Is, is he mm-hmm. just going to completely shatter and fall apart? And like, how will that process happen? Yeah. And uh, I, my favorite moment in the entire movie is the first time you see him just kind of the camera's even a little bit tilted and you see his face kind of look out and he smiles. Yeah. So creepy. You never see anything, no mm. emotion from him the entire time, except that the, the breaking point where you start, you start to see that doubt and fear yeah. for the first time. And then that doubt and fear seems to unlock emotions into his body. And then suddenly mm. that's that, that psychotic smile and, laugh almost almost joker-esque yeah and then and then the the, the ensuing slicing up battle that mm-hmm. it, was, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was it was one of the coolest things that i had, I had seen happen in, in such an like in an, uh, an older movie like i wasn't yeah. expecting mm-hmm. Yeah, so expecting to be that thrilled. It's, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, like yeah. Japanese. I I've always kind of maintained this: Japanese cinema has always been leaps and bounds ahead of where American cinema was at that time. Mm-hmm. Like For they sure. were doing stuff in the you know the fifties and sixties, even the seventies, that American cinema and well, sorry, I shouldn't say Western cinema has really just been kind of dipping its toes into, especially when you look at the length of some of these films. Yeah, we're like you know a two three hour film was nothing. And for us, it became, it was a huge deal when movies started to cross that two and a half hour mark where it's like, Absolutely. our audience is going to be able to sit through movies that long. And meanwhile, it's like, do we need to take a pee break in the middle? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Do we do, we do like older movies where there's intermissions in the middle? Cause they used to, they used to do that in the sixties where they like, this is like a three hour movie. We have to put a break halfway through so people can buy snacks. And meanwhile, you know, Japanese cinema was like, no, we're telling a story and it's a three hour story and yeah. you know what you're getting into. So watch the story. And now, thankfully, you know, Western cinema is catching up to that, and they're able to tell these sweeping epic stories now with a mm-hmm. lot of the, the same cinematic flair that you see with these older uh, Japanese films. It's, it's phenomenal it's, to watch. It's really a testament to the storytelling and to the, and to the filmmaking mm-hmm. um, that you can be captivated for like five minutes of a foot just moving across the floor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was one of the coolest things, just like the slow, quiet. And then everybody's face just looking back and like mm-hmm. the, even them being like, this is taking forever. What's going on in this duel? And <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the slow, slow movement of his foot. And I, I couldn't stop. I was leaning. I remember mm-hmm. leaning in while <laughs> yeah. I was watching it. Yeah. It's, it's like- for, for, for an older movie from the sixties to, to do that to me in this day and age. I mean, I highly recommend for anybody oh, who hasn't, yeah 
seen these, you really need to yeah. see these movies. And it's like the, a brilliant creation of, of what I call non-horror tension. Mm-hmm. Where like, yeah. you, see yeah. and it just, you get so wound up. You're like, cause you're waiting for it to happen. And that's a convention you see in horror movies all the time. Yeah. But it's so rare to see those in like at dramatic action films. Yeah. Cause in, you were so yeah. used to action films being like, everything's exploding and everything's geysering everywhere. And it's boom, boom, boom fast. And then you see the same kind of tension applied to action and it creates this beautiful imagery of like, cause you're so wrapped and waiting to see what's going to happen. And then when it does happen and that explosion of action happens, it's so fast. Yeah. It's like, boom, boom, done. Yeah. The, um, uh, going back on what Steve said about the, how, uh, Western film and Japanese film at this time, they were really influencing each other's the, the act, the, the film's finale when the ghosts of his past just start to haunt him. Oh, There's yeah. something so oh, Hitchcockian cool. oh. in that yes. sequence. Yeah. Like you're just sitting there like, who did it the first? Shadows. Who like did the it shadows first? Even, like, I was, uh, yeah. yeah. Because oh, yes. that's, that's around the time when Hitchcock was doing his film. So I'm sitting there like, did he steal this? Or did they did they play off each other? It's just such a... That's a really good point. So yeah, good. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the movie was so effective. I, I just, sorry, uh, Hawk, yeah, I hadn't actually heard of this film until you brought it up, so I'm so glad that you you mentioned this movie like a while back, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll put that yeah. on my radar, and I'm so glad I, I caught this film. Oh, like, back in the day, I used to be such a criterion whore in that, you know, that's because we were, don't apologize. That was our film uh, uh, schooling at uh, Mac. Oh, Teachers totally. to be like, you know what, you should, you should get all of these. We're like, yes. Yeah. Yes, we will. Absolutely. <laughs> you should watch some Criterion <laughs> Collection. Which ones? All of them. Like, start <laughs> one and go up. I'll pay, I'll pay $60 for a DVD. Sure. $60 more than that, man. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh. I actually do want to track some of these down as, Korea, as, as a Criterion now. And it's, I don't think it's going to be possible. <laughs> What's good is that the Criterion um, VOD has a lot of these films yeah. for, for streaming purposes. So oh, okay. you can just subscribe to the, the channel nice. and you can watch it all. Which is totally worth it because they're they always, really be and Criterion's always been one that's like, if there's a, an, like a full uncut version, they always track it down. So they yeah. have all their bonuses online. And I think it's only exactly. like 10 bucks or something a month. Oh, yeah, it's, it's really affordable. It's stupid cheap. Yeah, it was another ten bucks a month. Oh, man. <laughs> but for the cinematic epic history alone, it's worth oh, it. My God. Yeah, yeah, the commentary. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. does anybody else have something else to say about uh, Sword of Doom? Uh, I will uh, say it rewards a second viewing in that because going through sure. in that you notice all sorts of little things in that it's the like the relationship he has with the father in that, especially in the uh, beginning. Yeah. His father encouraging him to lose that match because he knows the son has already been like you know expelled from his school. Uh, you know, he said, You can do anything you want, your skill's great, and uh, you know, it's like just lose the match to this guy because he's going to be the next fencing instructor and he's gonna mm-hmm. his family's gonna lose everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just seemed yeah. to make him angrier, you know, even mm-hmm. if he doesn't show it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, true. And the fact that, yeah, you mentioned about the characters and that they really haven't, like, you know, some of it's. Some of the pacing seemed a little confusing in that, you know, on a first watch, but you realize like how important everything is. And even yeah. like, you know, the guy he almost killed on the, on, yeah. on the past yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. ends up becoming a very important uh, part of the, the continuing story. Yeah. I was so surprised by that. Cause I didn't quite figure that out until much later. I was like, Oh yeah, that was the guy who actually like, managed to dodge that right yeah. and it makes sense yeah. you know like how you know yeah. um yeah totally yeah no i mean that that's what really like i was like oh my god wait these are all the people we've seen all like in the same world you know it's like it's a web 
you know, an inescapable web. So, yeah. I wonder if there's a translation of the book in English. Yeah. I'm sure there probably is somewhere. Probably now, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, I want to see if I can track down the full version of the story, you know, just so I can appreciate this version (laughs) more. more, Yeah. Yeah. So, one one concept that is in a lot of samurai movies is uh, the sword as the soul of the samurai. I mean, this is sort of like this bond that is uh, is well known in these movies. And they always talk about and, of course, revere the swords because it's not just a symbol of status. You know, it is it is something that is, uh, you know, quintessential to be a samurai. And uh, it, it, that is referenced a lot, actually, in uh, Sword of Doom because he uses his sword to kill. And they, in fact, like reference the fact that, you know, that, that connection to himself is, um, darkened, you know, by the way he uses his sword. Evil uh, mind, so, evil sword. Exactly. Yeah. I couldn't remember that. Perfect. I couldn't remind the quote, um, but, it, but it's, it's relevant. Um, so I thought, uh, just to change things up though, we would switch to a much, um, more pleasant samurai movie, one which actually flips the protagonist's, you know, sort of, you know, value as a person uh, to um, Eric uh, and his Pleasant movies. film? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was sad. This is like the saddest out of all it's the saddest one, but the, the, I think as far as protagonists go, I think he was the most uh, human. He's, he, yeah, yeah for sure. you, you love him. You yeah. absolutely yes. love him. So yeah. the film we're talking about is The Twilight Samurai, which was from 2002 and it was directed by Yoji Yamada and stars Hiroyuki Sanada as Sebe Iguchi and Rie Miyazawa as Tomoe Limnuma. The oh, film man, is inspired sad. by. Um, you describe it. <laughs> the film was inspired. I'm not going to totally describe it. I'm going to give a gist. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> this is a, an amazing film. The film was inspired by a short story called The Bamboo Sword by Shuhei Fujisawa. So the main story takes place in 1865 at the end of the Edo period and right before the beginning of the Meiji Restoration. The film follows Sebe Iguchi, portrayed by the aforementioned Hiroyuki Sanada, uh, who is a low-ranking samurai, and he's struggling to maintain a content but happy life, I'm putting that happy life in air quotes, um, with his two daughters and his aged mother, who has early-onset dementia. Um, His wife had passed away from consumption or... um, tuberculosis which we know it as now and through a number of events he is reunited with a childhood friend slash love Tomoe Linuma played by Rie Miyazawa and the whole film is actually narrated by his eldest daughter who's looking back on her life and the events of her um of this really important time in their lives I'm going to talk about why I chose this film this film is not a a typical samurai film Mm. and it's not something that people will think of when they think of samurai right away because when we normally think of that we think of that flashy like steven said earlier that flashy warrior who's there and you know they're doing those fights and they're 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 doing all those spins and you know what what do you expect from ghost of tsushima right but um it's important to note that these that these samurai are just a class of people in feudal japan right Mm -hmm. they're sort of the middle warrior class of of this triangle of people where you have mm-hmm. the emperor at the top with the royal family then you get the shoguns who control the sections of japan and then the mm-hmm. the lords of japan the daimo and then samurai who's right underneath they're the warrior class followed by peasants craft people merchants and then outcasts way at the mm-hmm. bottom and there's a scene that really exemplifies this middle class samurai person because there are also rungs in the samurai class right mm-hmm. he's not one of the 500 uh, dollar, five hundred dollar, the five hundred uh, samurais. But he's right. he's much lower. He only gets fifty a month, which he has to spend on his you know 
he had to pay for his wife's funeral. He has to pay for medicine for his for his mom, who's who's you know going a little dementia. Ah, uh, and there's there's a scene where he's talking to his best friend, and they're fishing, and, right? Uh, and he talks about how uh, his his friends like you know, uh, <laughs> Tomoe wants to marry you. The, 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 it's a roundabout way of saying it, but he doesn't want to marry her because he doesn't want her to go down in status. Yeah. In mm-hmm. in the samurai, and it's just such a sad scene, but it's so emotional, and it shows that lower mm-hmm. class struggle because he had said that his wife, his previous wife, had um had been from an upper tier of samurai, and she couldn't just mm-hmm. she couldn't get over the fact that she had lost so much status. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but then yeah, her lifestyle too. Yeah, and then yeah. just sort of, I think it might have been just right before that scene. There's a scene that sort of parallels it where Tomoe takes uh, Saibai's uh, two daughters to a festival, and she mm. mentions that samurai were forbidden from attending these festivals because they're for peasants and town folk. Mm-hmm. But Tomoe wanted to show the girls that it's because of these peasants that they live as samurai that way. Yeah, like the class mm. structure in this film is something yes. you don't really see. Yeah, in any samurai yeah. film, and it's yeah. uh, um, going off of the the whole idea of these um, societal structures. Um, the fight choreography is so well done in this mm-hmm. in this film. There are yeah. only two real fights, but with these fights, there's a realism and an emotional weight behind them, which you right. don't really get. You you get it in like Seven Samurai or Thirty Assassins at the end of the film because you know where it's headed. But yeah, in this like the the first fight against the ex husband. There's ramifications from that, right? Yeah. And then the the fight at the end, which was there to you know make his life better. Yeah. Um, it's just oh, it's so painful and mm-hmm. and be- beautiful. They have a talk before they fight. Like yeah. you don't see that in in any yeah. other films. It's a heartbreaking even- tale of a man who will do anything for his family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, really, at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Plus, it has uh, one of my favorite actors, Hiroyuki Sonata. Who plays the main character? Uh, he's also playing Scorpion in the upcoming Mortal Kombat film, yeah. uh, which is amazing. Yes. Thanks he, for bringing it back to geeks with kids. He, <laughs> he was killed by Mohawk Guy in Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yeah, he was. Uh, so you know when we first see Ronin jumping through Chinatown, okay, and okay. he has that duel with that guy in the street. Oh, That's okay. Him. <laughs> he yeah. was supposed wow, to have a bigger that's role. amazing. He's actually oh, yeah. a, um, an actual comic book character, but we don't need to go in it because they didn't do that in the movie. Um, <laughs> he, play, <laughs> he played Musashi in uh, Westworld, the TV series. Right. He was to Tamiki Umazaki in Mr. Holmes. I know Matt Moore loves that film. Yes. Uh, oh, he was amazing. He was that. Uh, Shingen in uh, Wolverine and Dogen mm-hmm. in Lost, right? He's he's just a phenomenal. Wow. You see, yeah, he's been around a lot. I had no idea. Yeah. I was wondering how you were going to make that like uh, Avengers connection, so I'm glad yeah. you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's I not, you, yeah. Yeah, not a traditional samurai film, but it's one that seems very important in the genre and, you know, people who want to embrace more of the the history of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. I say I know why you chose this film? Why? Because he had such a great relationship with his daughters, you know. Oh my God, 
so and, cute. Uh, it's so and, cute. I didn't think about that, but yeah, yeah, that's true. It was, and it, it was, and it was amazing. And it really marked him as a, as a completely different samurai. You know, uh, the samurai, you know, for most of them, and that it, it was about the climb. You know, the mm. climb up the social ladder, and that. Yes. You know, and navigate. It's a difficult path to navigate, and it requires a lot of sacrifice, and that. And he didn't care about it. All he cared about was being care home of his with family, his kids. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Not just being there for them, and that you know, making sure a roof was over their head and that but he like he he talks about how he enjoys watching them grow and that yeah. it's, yeah. it's like it's like yeah. watering a garden and that and seeing what what flowers you know there's a sequence where he's making the you know he's making bug cages out of um out of bamboo and he's his his daughter's talking about confucius and he's like and she's like you know what i don't know if i i like book yeah. learning and he's like you know what that'll teach you how to make decisions when you get older i'm sitting there like oh parenting. yeah i'll teach you how to think oh. Yeah, yes. I'd seen this movie back in like 2003 because I liked uh, Hiroyuki Sonata from his stint in The Last Samurai, the, the um, what's his name, Tom Cruise Samurai right. film. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one who taught Tom Cruise how to fight, basically, yeah. in that oh. film. And I was like, this guy's really good. I'm going to go check out his other things. And that had just come out, like I think, the same year or the year before. Sure. So I was like, I'm going to check it out. And I was like, this is a much better Samurai <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I would argue actually that this movie, despite having a, you know, being very modern in some respects, actually does encapsulate a lot of the samurai elements. Although it, I think the main difference is what Hawk pointed out. I mean, this is a samurai who has no ambition. Like he just wants to have a peaceful life, which is not to say that other samurai don't. I mean, many of the Ronin characters have a similar element unless they're on a mission of revenge. Um, but um, yeah. But I mean, really, like it has, uh, you know, another similarity that all these samurai movies generally have, which is, yeah, the, the caste system being this very overbearing element of the plot, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, in this case, this samurai um, doesn't really want to be part of it, but he needs he needs to maintain it for his family. You know, yeah. uh, it's not about the status. It's about his kids, you know, and everything's actually about the kids at the end of the day. But at the same time, he's extremely considerate, you know, like with regards to the possible marriage you know, to his best friend. Yeah. He, he would rather not see her suffer, you know, mm -hmm. because he knows the burden that, that he's taken on, you know? So yeah. yeah, I am so glad you picked this movie, Eric, because I actually had heard of it, but I had not actually watched it. And um, in the history of Japanese cinema, the, um, the period drama or specifically samurai movies had kind mm -hmm. of fallen off. Um, and this movie came out and it won, it like swept the Japanese Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. And basically reinvigorated it so that, you know, we get to Matt's movie later. I mean, yeah. due to this one film alone, mm -hmm. the whole genre has returned. Um, and uh, I would say, like, even if you're not necessarily interested in, quote unquote, samurai movies, this is a movie everyone should see. It's just a beautiful film, you know, period. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and there's, sorry, not, there's not a dull moment in it. No. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So go ahead, go I ahead. love that he he had put. He's a good swordsman, and everyone, mm. no one knows it. Yeah, like he's this yeah, he's amazing. So he doesn't. He never self promotes in that. You know, yeah. he's like, oh, uh, you well, know, I, well, I was I was an attendant at the school, and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's like lying about that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of like again, it's it's uh, it's a common theme that we've seen in a lot of these movies that we've watched. Um, that you know, it's 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 a still kind of calm. Uh, go of all these movies, but there it's there's there, it keeps your attention. There's nothing that bores you. There, mm -hmm. You're you're constantly invested in the lives of everybody you're watching. Yeah, and uh, it's it's neat. Like it's um, this movie kind of does the whole uh, like instead of viewing a samurai as a 
individualistic, you know, self-promoting, you know, uh, all about the glory, all about the weapon, right. all about the better myself. This shows a different side. This shows that there could be samurai that cared about family, cared about mm-hmm. uh, their life, cared about the happiness of their family and their well-being, yeah. and, and like cared about the elderly, cared about everyone in the community. Mm-hmm. And cared about the hierarchy, the status, and everything. Yeah, like it's absolutely. Just, it's just really kind of cool how 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 that how they are able to get that across mm-hmm. so well, elegantly. It's, really. yeah. it's weird to think that samurai at this time could have been bureaucrats. Like him yeah, and those people in that office were just there to do inventory. It's it's amazing. Like they had to go through the sword fighting to yeah. count fish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it's just incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, does anybody else have uh, any more comments about it? Cool. Yeah. I. Uh, yeah. Like I said, it's a great movie. I think everyone should see it. I, I just. I really like the like just even the visual, like his hair. Um, oh sure. Like, you know, like it just it just shows that that side of him. Everybody else has got their clean uh, cut and everything, and he's just like, nope. His oh, kimono's <laughs> ripped. Yeah. He stinks. His kimono's yeah. ripped. Yeah, like like. All, I just mess. love the like the visual cues that set him up and set up the character that you are going to love is yeah. just really cool. I, I love how they did that too. Just yeah. nice. Yeah, what actually, this kind of ties into some of the other elements of some of these other samurai movies, and that is, um, I, I have noticed in watching these movies, they. Uh, this might be a coincidence with the movies we chose, but they present these characters. But as you proceed through and you're kind of assuming tropes about them, or you assume, look, oh yeah, he's just a mess or whatever. Um, you find out another layer about some character or uh, some event. Right. And it yeah. just, it really like, I think that's something that maybe is maybe a Japanese film element where they just like to take their time and then, something is revealed, you know, yeah. and the context that completely flips, you know? So anyway, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. Cause yeah, he's, he's such a disheveled, like massive mm-hmm. beginning. And actually the name of the movie, the twilight samurai is like a, a mocking nickname that people mm-hmm. have given him. Um, twilight senpai. Yeah, yeah. Twilight senpai. Yeah. Because he, everyone knows he smells and, and he has no wife and, you know, he's mm-hmm. just got this terrible situation. <laughs> when, when his uh, coworkers are like, did you hear about the fight? Maybe we should stop calling him that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, yeah. I think he knows. That was amazing. <laughs> of course he knows. Oh, man. There's one more thing. Uh, um, there was this recurring uh, motif in the film with the bodies floating down the river by their home. Yeah. And that. Mm. What did everybody think of that? There, there's this, I think, this idea that everyone at the end is just going to die. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> you live your life. Well, you need, you live your life um, how you want to, right? They're, they, they, they wanted him to be this great swordsman that, that you know, took care of problems, but he just wanted to take care of his family. And yeah, the the idea that you're, you don't have to do that to, um, to just please other people. You want to please mm-hmm. the people you want to live your life with, right? Mm-hmm. He wanted to do that for his daughters. So, you know, that yeah. whole idea. At least that's what I took from it. Yeah. No, that's an interesting point, and I um I don't know whether it was heavily underlined somewhere else. Um, I, I got the impression it was just to sort of show that, you know, the state of affairs as orderly and as clean as things are, are not, you know, for everybody, you know, that there were peasants outside of the scope of, you know, their story that were dying. Um, yeah. And I don't know whether that contributed to like his, 
desire to, you know, like save his own family or not. I did notice that it was like a lot of like girls who they kept finding like drowned and, you know, and yeah, it was, it was kind of sinister and yeah, I, I wasn't totally sure, but it, it added to the world. And then I guess ultimately, you know, the time period too, right? Yeah. Like eventually revolution is coming, you know? So, yeah. It's okay. right at the end of the Edo period too, right? Yeah. I think it's set, it was set uh, in what year? 1865. So three years before the Meiji restoration. But it's so like there's, right there's at the very end of it. There's a lot of happening right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even here later at the, the post credit that he, he had died by Western means. I'm going to say Western means just because they, it's guns. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the uh, yeah the, the the whole like caste system and its sort of eventual destruction is definitely mm-hmm. elements of it. So I don't know don't know where the bodies fit in, but yeah, that, yeah it was an interesting detail. It just seems so interesting to me in that because you know the, usually like with the remains of bodies, like there there is a ceremony that you know there's ritual that has to be followed in that. But you know the way they just kind of kind of poke them with sticks and just kind of set them on their way. Mm-hmm. We also have to it, imagine what what where they are on the rung, right? Yeah. Are they peasants? Mm-hmm. They don't get the samurai funeral yeah. burning. Yeah. Um, like even, even in uh, I'm going to bring this back to the video game. Ghost of Tsushima. You see, <laughs> you see um, the soldiers die and then you see peasants die and they get taken care of differently. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm going to be vague on that. Cause I know you guys haven't gotten to these yeah. points. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It definitely it shows the difference in how they're revered, not only in death, but in life. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah, actually, that's a good point, because the funeral, which they touch on, actually does become a very important plot point in the mm-hmm. film. And so, yeah, that actually, the fact that, yeah, the peasants just kind of get to go and, you know, become part of nature again. Yeah. Whereas this very expensive funeral he had for his, his, mm-hmm. his wife uh, actually is something that, well, basically ruined him. Yeah. Um, but he had to do it. Uh, because the family demanded it, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a mm-hmm. comparison there. Um, so, uh, to change things up a bit, uh, because samurai movies have, you know, impacted cinema in a lot of ways, and particular tropes, um, we're going to go on to Marcus's pick. Um, so, Marcus, which movie did you go with? Oh, he's holding ah! it up. <laughs> is that Blu-ray? Is it not open it's, Blu-ray? It's, it, it is no, it is a fully okay. open oh, okay. Blu-ray. I thought it was I, owned, I bought this at a secondhand store, and I was like, "Yes, absolutely." And I picked it up. I don't know a couple years ago, but I had to go find it once I realized that's what I was picking. I had to go find it. <laughs> nice, nice. Wow, <laughs> that's dedication. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Warrior's Way. Uh, not what you would call a traditional samurai film or uh, or anything of the sort. It's really hard to classify this movie itself. Um, fantasy, action, adventure, western, martial arts, samurai. Yeah, you can kind of use fair. anything to describe it. Um, but like you said, it, it's, it does kind of show the, the, the tropes that they like to use. It, it shows a lot of the influences. Um but also it does have some calls to the actual stories. Like this does kind of have the seven samurai thing where it's like, it's a yeah. group of people. We have some bullies bothering us. Yep. We got a band together. Mm-hmm. We're going to make some shit happen. You know, it's, it's that <laughs> kind of thing. Um, also like the idea of, of, uh, you know, presenting you with a character that is one way only to find out later on, Oh, actually he's fantastic or he's very talented or and right. in, in that so what I'm going to do is uh, first uh, let's just get back into the movie itself. It's a 2010 movie. Uh, it was um, it was a, a, a co-production between New Zealand and South Korean um, uh, companies. 
Uh, it stars. Okay, I'm gonna. I have to go to my notes here now. Um, written and directed by. How can I be able to say this right? Singmu Lee, uh, starring Jang Dong Gun. Um, who, unfortunately, I have never seen him in anything else of note uh, right. myself. Um, he, also start, he's in yeah. a fantastic remake of Suits, um, where he plays the, really? um, the main lawyer, not, not the Mike lawyer. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, I need brilliant. to see that. I have yeah. to watch that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's quite good. <laughs> um, also starring Kate Bosworth, Jeffrey Rush, and Danny Houston. Um, and it's just one of those things that also, uh, especially for the times that this was made in and the, the, the way times are changing, it's kind of stupid that we have this movie um, all about like this samurai and everything, but the build cast on the front cover is sure. three white people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the more expensive elements of the film, though. I mean, yeah. so. <laughs> um, but uh, so the idea here is uh, he's uh, part of a, a clan of warriors uh, known as the Sad Flutes. Okay. And uh, they have—he's been charged with uh, killing the last of the of their rival clan, which I can't remember the name of their clan. And basically, uh, once he kills the last uh, master swordsman, he's tasked with killing the uh, youngest little baby daughter of the clan. Uh, right. When he gets down to it, he decides he can't do it, and he leaves with the, the baby daughter to raise her on his own. And uh, mm-hmm. his clan turns on him and sends their assassins to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he decides he's not safe uh, in, where they are, so he heads to um, the old west of old America and mm-hmm. uh, to a place where a friend of his had also gone to, and he stumbles upon this uh, desolate a uh, little town that was once filled with carnival folk and uh, cowboys and stuff and decides he's going to become a launderer of clothing and uh, start, start a new life and kind of try to get himself fresh. Uh, and again, you kind of learn everybody's backstory and you find out that there is a, a another group of, I don't know, bandits, if you want to say, um, seemingly in numbers that, that don't make sense. I don't know where they come from. I don't know how they survive out in the middle of the desert. And now they're going to this dead town where there's nothing to be really offered, but they're kind of within like the thousands. (laughs) It's it's just what they do. (laughs) It's what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no real explanation for it. You don't need an explanation for it. You just want to see a lot of guys die. It's great. Mm -hmm. Well, it seemed to me Uh, like they were some sort of like a disgraced battalion, uh, Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the the main guy is the colonel, yeah. uh, played by mm-hmm. Danny Houston. Um, and uh, you find out through the movie that there is a uh, a little bit of a history between him and Kate Bosworth's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, this this is the part of the movie that really kind of just grossed me out. Is Danny Houston's character seemingly is, his only purpose is to come to this town so he can rape young women with nice teeth. And yeah, that that's all that he cares about. It's really it's really weird. Let me see you your teeth. Let me see your teeth. Oh no, no. <laughs> um, but uh, after trying to take uh, Kate Bosworth's character as a, as a young girl, um, she, he she fights back and throws scolding hot oil Fingers on his him. face, scarring him for life. And now he has to wear a mask. Uh, but once that happens, uh, he he kills her father, her mother, and the little baby daughter or mm-hmm. sister of hers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so obviously she wants revenge and she wants to kill him. Uh, there's a bunch of carnival folks that uh, they still think that they will revive this town and finish up their giant Ferris wheel and people will come to see them. They're not going to happen. Nope. Um, so, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just kind of an interesting little, uh, there's a lot of things at play and I'm going to preface this by saying 
this is not a an award winning movie. This is not even really what you would call a good movie. <laughs> it's, it's it's a great it's, movie. It's, it's it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Mm. It oh, is stupid. It all. is fun. And there are moments that you just, you can't help but enjoy even throughout the terrible green screen through the, the, the terrible wire work that happens. And like the endless, endless amount of Raiden cosplays that come jumping <laughs> into the sure. screen. Like uh, the, all the ninja assassins that are sent to send it, like, it's the same guy. They've just duplicated him on screen. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Like black, all black Raiden cosplay. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, like I have a very, I have a soft spot for this movie. It came about to me uh, on a late night when I was, I was delusional and and half asleep and I just turned, had the TV on and flipped to the channel and just saw these beautiful steampunk styled Western guns firing at assassins and ninjas and this man shows up with a leather mask and then there's this guy jumping through a wall slashing with baby. I just, I just couldn't help but be like, what am I watching? Why haven't I watched this before? This is fantastic. So I, I really, I really loved it. Um, it again, nothing, nothing about this is, is overly samurai esque except for the fact that he is a master swordsman who uh, at the beginning of the movie is all consumed to become the best master swordsman in the world. Yeah. And they even do a, like a, that kind of fun little trope where they, they, the letters show up underneath yeah. his rival right at the beginning where it says, you know, the best swordsman in the world. <laughs> and then again, it, it pops up again ever. <laughs> I, I, I love them doing that. And then once he slashes him down with that one shot sliding through, you know, mm-hmm. very anime manga style. Yeah. That crossing of the blades. And then you see him, the guy just <gasps> and fall down. And then the words appear under him as he stands <laughs> so tall. T- <laughs> it's so cheesy. It's so, so, so cheesy, and I love it. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, it, it, it just made me smile. All of it made me smile. Uh, Jeffrey Rush playing a, a, a drunken old prospector with his ass hanging out, only to find out he's, he's a, he used to be a, you know, a master gun slinger, and he mm. can shoot somebody from 3000 yards away without a problem. Like I just, I love these stupid little tropes and seeing them come to life with yeah. real actors, like people who, who at, at, at this stage of the game actually have some pretty good respect in Hollywood. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. It makes yeah. me happy. Uh, I, I'm going to preface my, cause I, I saw this in theaters. I'm going to preface my story <laughs> by saying, Back in so 1990, sad. back in 1999, I don't know. This is a great story. Back in 1999, I saw The Matrix way too high, and I said I would <laughs> never watch a movie high again. Anyway, oh, no. late into oh, late, somewhere around in 2010, my friends are like, you know, what? Just totally smoke up and go Ten see this movie. Later. And I was like, okay, why not? And I fucking loved it. Because <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, yeah. it didn't hurt my brain like The Matrix, where you had to, yeah. you know, think of different, like. The Matrix, there's nothing but brain, but brain thought in that. Exactly. And this movie, there is nothing. So I'm sitting well. there and I'm like, this movie is a perfect marriage between anime, 
Western and samurai mm-hmm. films. Yeah. And I was like, this is this is the best film ever. Again, I watched it later <laughs> when I was sober and I was like, oh, this movie's dumb, but fun. Um, <laughs> but like there are sequences where you can sit there and be like, they took this right out of anime. Like the, yeah. the whole yeah. fight at the beginning, like Marcus said. But yeah, like I said, that fight at the beginning is like right out of any yeah. samurai anime that exists. But when they're yeah. on, the, when the Ronin or not Ronin, I'm going to say the, uh, the <laughs> anti samurai guys, when they're on the boat, and there's that trail of blood coming out of the end. You're sitting right, there like, yeah. that is anime right there. And like, yeah. it, it, it made me so happy. <laughs> you like can that. tell, like, they, they thought about that shot, and then they said, we have to crane back, and you have to see the boat, and then you see the blood. You see yeah. the blood trailing behind the boat. Like, they <laughs> thought about that, and they're like, this has to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. If, we, if it isn't, there is no movie. <laughs> yeah. There were so many moments in this movie where it's like, I can picture the the writer and the director and the cinematographer being like you know what would be really awesome and then just figuring out like, yeah. but like that shot like dude dude you know what would be really cool we have this shot of the boat and then it pans back and you see this tr- like, it's one of those it's like a drunk bro film of the best caliber yeah, I, I imagine that the director and writer were at like a cabin snorting coke and just coming up with sequences and being like, how do we get from this point to this point? We're like, eh, yeah. I'll figure out something. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it makes sense. But it's it's hilarious that they, they yeah. definitely made the action sequences and then the story around it. Oh, absolutely some of the best movies are based around like two sequences that are amazing like how do we thread these together we'll figure it out in post it's like an act what 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 i think this movie in in a good way does is this anime type style you know swords uh Mm -hmm. swordsmith movie sort of brought i think um amc had its amazing tv show called into the badlands and the fight sequences in this really hearken to that as well because they're very yeah. anime-ish this mm-hmm. is more cartoony but i can see where yeah. the the influence could could lie mm-hmm. yeah i feel like this this was they they talked about at the time when this was released oh the you know the technology we have now can make anything possible you're this is a te- technologically advanced film and you're going to mm. be blown away but really the you know, they suffered at the hand of what a lot of the movies at this era suffered at, you know, like just a poor budget and Uh uh, not enough manpower, not enough talent behind it to make Mm -hmm. it look crisp and beautiful. But you can forgive it. You can almost just say, no, that, that, that wasn't part of it. That doesn't need to be there. Um, you, you can just kind of just see it, see it for what it is. Um, but there are some pretty cool moments like the, him, uh, welding his sword shut. Uh, you know, and when the girl asks, also, I, you know, no offense to Kate Bosworth, but got terrible performance. Her just bad. It was just bad. I love Kate oh, Bosworth. Oh, but like, I, you know, this was, I don't know if anybody was directing her or if they just let her show up on set and just say whatever you want. I don't know. This seems like um, those movies were like, have fun with it. Just have fun yeah, with it. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it kind of works almost. It's almost like, how, how are you guys going to do the scene? Well, that's fine. Yeah. Just, just, just do that. Make sure you mention the sword. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just built around things that needed to be there. Mm-hmm. But I do love the, like the, the welded sword, you know, so they can't hear it screams. And she's like, Oh, well who would be listening? And then you're like, Oh, the other assassins would know. And then when he finally breaks it out, they're like, I know where he is. <laughs> he, just, he breaks his sword out and all of a sudden the, all the entire assassin clan that's looking for him. I know where he is. Exactly. Yeah. The desert, it's, a, that it's, way. It's, it's a GPS. It's the, <laughs> the <laughs> west 
like 358 kilometers you'll find him like he's right there there is one scene that i thought was very creepy and really well acted is when danny houston has kate bosworth and he like talks about her scar and then licks her just in there like it's just so gross but he does such a good job at it well, it's funny because like I, I I've seen him in in a lot of things, and sometimes he plays a, a kind of a more respectable figure. This time, not so much. <laughs> no. but, yeah. but he's so good at getting you like at doing the job he's meant to do. You are yeah. supposed to be disgusted by him. Yeah, you are supposed to be repulsed, and like he did it perfectly. Like there's there's nothing about his character that is redeemable, really, and mm-hmm. it's kind of perfect. So his death is just it's earned. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This movie feels like it should have been in 3D, but they didn't have enough money to make it in 3D. <laughs> like, this is the time when flashy action so, sequences. So, f- fun little story about that. So, this movie had a budget of 43 million, I believe it was, or 42 million, mm. um, and only made worldwide 11 million in oh, yeah. I'm glad my $10 anyway, went to them. <laughs> it, was, it was a resounding flop, it did not mm-hmm. do well. Uh, it was playing it at a, like a 130 theaters. They cut it down to 32 within the first week, I believe. Like, it did, did not I see do this opening? Well. No. <laughs> but I have to say, like, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I found it. I'm glad I found it when I did. And yeah. How I did. I I do love it. <laughs> uh, like, I do have Hawk. to add my two cents. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. I, 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 Hawk was messaging me when he was watching this movie, and he's like, "My brain is breaking." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah like Hawk, look I, at the film you picked. Look at the film, Marcus. Yeah, I, know, right? I <laughs> came off a weekend high of watching these meticulously crafted and well thought out movies, and that we're painstakingly devoted to the art and you know restoration of of this of this period, right? <laughs> And then Marcus takes the cinematic equivalent of, I like beans. Beans are good. (laughs) And, you know, in in one fell swoop, we're back to, okay, samurai and ninjas are magic. Yes. Sucker punch punch level of, uh, oh, wait, wait. I mean the movie, not the video game company. I was going to say, sucker punch level samurai but anyway go on go ahead yes. uh, so yeah it, um but then eric said something on that and I, I had to reflect on that he's like everybody got paid well in that so you know they had fun they got yes, paid they yeah. had fun they had fun time making it and everybody got paid yeah could you yeah. like kate bossworth she like like we said not the greatest performance but she got to work with swords and stuff right yeah she's not a she's not an actress that you get to do that right so That's she's true. got to do something she never really gets to do yeah that's awesome yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is this is coming from like being you know really underused in Superman Returns as Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. You know that was supposed to be a big career turn sure. for her. That, so. Yeah, it was a big career turn for a lot of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, wow. Well, I, I don't think I have anything else to add. I mean, you guys like kind of carried it all. Um, I'm, I'm, I, like Hawk, I was trying to figure out a way to you know, like connect it. I mean, I will say it is a convergence of many things that came from samurai movies mm-hmm. and, uh, and it distilled, you know, into anime distilled into mm-hmm. Western tropes yes. and stuff. And like, and, and yeah, I mean, we could make like the loosest connections, but yes, I mean, yeah. I mean, you guys kind of said it all. So I'm just going <laughs> to, all I got to say is I had fun watching it again. I had popcorn. I just sat there just laughing. And there you like, go. I'll, use my, not- I'll use my favorite uh, statement that I'm sure a lot of you heard. Gosh, they all look like they had a lot of fun up there. <laughs> and then 
Yeah. 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 Man, I probably we probably should have ended on this one because now I feel like I'm like <laughs> dour, like sad. No. sad. Now I'm getting no. back to like. That's all right. I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna bring it back. Yeah, guess. All right. Well, yeah. N- the next happy samurai movie <laughs> was my pick, which was called a Harakiri, which, if you don't know, is ritual suicide. Oh. Uh, it's also known as seppuku, um, depending on you know what version and era you're looking at. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the others had picked their movies, um, uh, and I was trying to figure out like what to add. And uh, as I mentioned before, I was like looking at Rashomon and all these other sort of movies, and um, you know, I know Jimbo, of course, you know, like there's just certain yeah. ones. But I was trying to find one that was lesser known, and uh, yeah, and I was like, oh wait, you know, there's Harakiri, you know, which um, I think most people don't know about this film, and uh, it's from 1962. And, uh, yeah, it's directed by uh, Masaka uh, Kobayashi. And uh, it stars uh, Tetsuo Nakadai, who was the star of Sword of Doom. Though I actually had to check that because his performance was so drastically different from the cold psychopath, you know, (laughs) who has no emotion in uh, uh, Sword of Doom to this very reserved but you get to see other parts of his life and he you start to realize that he actually does have you know compassion and and a heart um you know as the story but at the very beginning of course he's like this stoic you know um but man that guy's eyes i mean he is (laughs) i want to track down more movies with this dude he Um, is in a lot of films yes that are i mean i like i love samurai films like i said earlier but um he's also done a lot of voice work so one (laughs) One of his funniest roles is him playing a character on VeggieTales. What? Oh, what? Yeah. Back <laughs> in like sorry. 2008 or something. I think it was something around there. Yeah. Oh my I'm God. I'm pretty sure that's him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, okay. he, his body of work is substantial. And it's funny because when, again, when we talk about samurai movies, it always goes to Kurosawa and always goes to Seven Samurai. And then it always goes to Toshiro Mifune, who, by the way, also was in uh, sort of Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Nakadai, like his, he did so many movies. Like it, mm. it just, it's just incredible. And uh, and also, ironically, he is one of the uh, villains in Yojimbo, opposite uh, Mifune. So the guy with the gun, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He has the yep. same haircut as Sword of Doom. But yes, yeah, kind of oh. playing a, a crappier version of the Sword of Doom <laughs> character. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, this movie is uh, is an interesting film in that it, it's told with a series of flashbacks, but the basic plot of it is it's during the period of peace, the Tokugawa era or Edo period. And um, what's been going on is uh, clans have been collapsing and it's resulted in uh, many Ronin, masterless samurai uh, wandering about uh, with nothing to do because the class system is so rigid. Uh, they, they're unwanted as laborers, um, and uh, and until they get uh, assigned to another clan, they're they're basically penniless. And um, the main character, played by Nakudai, uh, comes into a uh, a clan holding, requesting that he be allowed to commit uh, harakiri in their courtyard uh, as an honorable means for him to end his life, because basically his life is over and he doesn't see a way out, and um, he would just prefer to die honorably. Mm-hmm. And the clan uh, leader, um, actually, I guess he's not actually the leader, but the one in charge at the time, mm-hmm. uh, t- relates a story saying, you know, there's a lot of Ronin going around saying they want to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. But 
we've heard and we know some of these people show up and they just want money, right? They have no real intention of actually killing themselves. And um, I think that's all I really want to say about that because um, he then relates a story where a samurai from uh, uh, coincidentally the same clan as Nakadai uh, tried something similar earlier in the year and uh, how that turned out. So, that's all I want to say, because this is one of those stories, like I was hinting at earlier, where the more you find out, the more it just twists and turns. Yeah. And um, in particular, what I really like about this movie um, was the visuals. Um, mm. This is a movie oh, that yeah. really takes the like architecture of, uh, you know, samurai era buildings um, as well as just the very clean, crisp look of everything. And, and I, I think translates that theme, you know, of order you know, visually. Um, but then from time to time, when there's something like really important happening, it uses uh, Dutch angles, which is um, a slightly uh, off kilter mm-hmm. um, positioning of the camera. And I, I don't know. I just, I find the movie incredibly powerful, just visually, like the mm. shot composition just gets me. I just, I just like just watching it, you know, just like just the, the hard, like lights and darks of it. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, like it's one of those stories where like the twists and turns just keep like ramping it up, you know, higher and higher. And uh, when you get to the end, it's just, just madness, you know, but so good. So anyway, I, I'm too much of a fan to really talk about it intelligently. Um, I guess I'll just, like open it up. Um, what? Oh, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go back on the, the term Harakiri versus uh, Seppuku. Mm. Um, there's a lot of history between these two terms Yeah. Um, where Harakiri was more of a Western. It's what Western people more know. But when it was set in Japan, it was more the lower rungs of society. So this would be a peasant term or colloquialism. Mm. Where seppuku was uh, more of the higher uh, tears mm-hmm. like samurai would be the 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 royals who would say something like yeah. so you'd see seppuku said but um uh no sorry uh harikiri said whereas uh seppuku would be written so yeah. it'd be more formal it's a more formal term yeah um it's actually broken down um in into ritual suicide like um steve mm-hmm. said um going back on the the shot composition of this of this uh film which is beautiful like steve said the great thing about old black and white films and the yeah. processing is that the darks are super dark and the lights yeah. are super bright. So when they were filming it, they had to, they had to account for the darkness versus the light. So they had to mm-hmm. light very, very brightly the, the parts that they wanted to see. But mm-hmm. with that, you can go into the shadows and you see that in in the the area where they're filming. It's such a well-done shot. You can see it in mm-hmm. the original version of 13 Assassins as well. Yes, um, It's just so... It, they mm-hmm. use their technology to like to an expert level it's just so well done mm-hmm. yeah yeah like I, i'd like to add like because uh, i kind of gushed about the movie there yeah i mean the the lines um form I and mean, this sounds like you know elitist you know movie talk but it's definitely true in this case because everything is sort of trapped and contained you know in boxes like there's even a shot in one point where um the main character is uh, making umbrellas just to get by and in that scene, you see him basically caged behind the unfinished umbrella, you know, like all the lines are across his face, you know? And so, yeah. and a lot of these characters are actually behind like walls and behind like dividing lines. And mm-hmm. I do think it's intentional because mm-hmm. ultimately the story, and this will kind of, well, we'll see if it connects to Matt's movie. I, this mm-hmm. is my dumb reasoning for ordering things, but <laughs> eventually I think one of the main themes of this story is you have all this perfect geometry, this, perfect perfectionism of placement of people and items and ceremony. But the core theme of it is that it is a facade 
you know, like it is a visual cue to something that is uh, missing inside mm-hmm. uh, and that collapses, you know, upon examination. Uh, yeah, Eric? Going off of that, um, you see that a lot of the servants are behind these sliding doors, right? Mm. Like you're saying, everything is boxed in in these perfect spots. So I don't know how much I want to ruin. There's an, there's an end sequence where there's a fight that breaks out. But these yeah, yeah. walls start breaking down. Like yeah. the walls start breaking down. And that's very important to both the mental state of the character and what's happening. And mm-hmm. oh, it's such a well thought out sequence. Yes. Um and I don't know if I should go more. Yeah. No, 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 I don't no, 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 don't go yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can I say this was my favorite selection of the of our of this entire category? Uh it's the yeah. first time I watched it this weekend. Uh I could not take my eyes off it. It functions on so many levels, not just as a really core examination of, of the rules and life uh, behind the samurai, you know, the duties that they are perform, even if they're horrific in that and their absolute commitment to it in that. Um, what was I going to say next? But uh, the way it works as a film, it was almost like a courtroom drama. Yeah, oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. It's got a 12 angry man element to it. Mm-hmm. It really does. Uh, but yeah. it also it, uh, it's a it reminded plot wise it reminded me a lot like Rashomon. In fact, yeah. in, in the start, you're given a very simple story, mm-hmm. you know, that seems to kind of happen, and then it very much concludes, you know, yeah. with the, yeah. the bad yeah, news. It story. seems very straightforward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it reveals itself like an onion uh, oh, in yeah. small layers throughout the entire movie, and that and that's what really kept me. Uh, going with it, um, especially towards the end, because I was like, I was questioning everything that I was hearing about these two men show up at the same place with the exact same story. Not right. just you know, you know, uh, some Ronin trying to run them a scam. They came with the exact same story. And I, I, you know, getting to the end and finding out what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it was so compelling. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what else I can say. Right I thought now. it was more like a parfait than an onion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody loves Pompeii. Uh, Marcus, did you? Yeah, uh, so this, when, when, when Eric was like, oh, we're going to do samurai movies. I was like, yeah, sure. And I, I said, well, I'll do Warrior's Way. That sounds like fun. When I saw the movie selection, I, di- I didn't know any of these movies. Mm-hmm. And um, when, I, when I finally watched uh, Harakiri, I was mortified. I was like, oh shit, was I supposed to pick a gorgeous, beautiful, amazing <laughs> movie? Because <laughs> not only, first of all, I want, I want to thank you so much, Steve, for putting this movie on my radar because not only was this my favorite movie of the selection that we watched here, mm-hmm. much like the Hawks, but this is probably going to be one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Now, like, I honestly think it's in my top 10 for sure of all time, maybe up top five, because it was such a fantastic movie, beautiful to watch. So captivating. And, uh, like, like it, it was, it was mostly a drama, really, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but like everything about it was just, it was, it, it didn't rush. You didn't feel rushed. You didn't feel, you didn't feel like it was, it was, uh, wasting your time. Like it, it, mm-hmm. it, it's just so well done. And again, the cinematography, is gorgeous. Like you said, everything is just like framed and even the, even the dolly shots, some of the shots, I don't know how they did it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's 1962 62. and they, they have these gorgeous, beautiful moving shots. And I'm like, 
I, like, it didn't even occur to me until there was one shot. I don't even remember what it was, but like, I just saw a fast movement and they're, they're following and they're doing all this stuff. And I'm yeah, like, running down the stairs. Like that mm. one was so smooth. Like there's just a spot of legs running down steps. And I'm like, how yeah, there, yeah, that was one. That was one. It's yeah. like, how, how are you doing this? How are you pulling this off? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just, I want to point that uh, I love the, uh, the armor. The, the, the beginning oh, of the movie, yeah. it, you know, you get to see this, 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 uh, ceremonial, uh, you know, and, and beautiful old armor sitting there. Mm. Um, and it kind of like, it begins and ends with the armor. You start the movie with this, with this armor and like in the, the idea that it's like, uh, you know, tradition and we, we follow traditional ways and everything has to be done this way only to find, you know, I don't yeah. want to say what's good, but like, mm-hmm. like, you know, you well, find the it's, facade. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Facade, really, and then seeing like later on when there's that big battle, like that armor comes crashing down, and it's yeah. like even used as like a shield at one point. Like it was so cool to see, like just like it's 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 hollow, it's empty, mm-hmm. it's it's it means nothing to me yeah. or to these people. So yeah. bam, down it goes, and I just love that kind of that kind of thing that that was happening. Yeah. Um, the horror but, and, and just, all the people there seeing it fall. And all yeah. that tradition, and, you're, and he's like, you know, this is meaningless. And you're just sitting there like, it is meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Floating um, down a I, river. I, I, have, I have nothing but just like gushy feelings about it. It was so good. And just, yeah, fantastic movie. My favorite shot had to be when uh, he was going to the duel with the third uh, retainer. Yeah. Mm. They started oh, yeah. along that path and that, and it was just the wind shaking through the trees and that. Um, like uh, you know, weather effects were, all, were always really important to uh, like Akira Kurosawa films and that you know, like you know, the, the final battle and that in that just drenching rain and that where it's just right. basically a bunch of yeah. guys standing around with fire hoses and that just drenching. <laughs> <the entire place. laughs> yeah, this one I feel like the, uh, that that walk at the beginning in that past those trees was probably yeah. they, they managed to catch a storm at the right time in that and the, the rest of it in the in that grassy field and that uh, I'm sure yeah. You know, they they kind of play on that with wind machines yeah, and that yeah. you know but totally <laughs> yeah it's, yeah. So it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful like like how how no no films these days really capture that kind of beauty in such a it's at such a terrible moment <laughs> like, yeah. you know like like yeah. you know, okay mm-hmm. we're going into a duel there's there's probably death you're about to see and then this beauty in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I'm just amazed at the aesthetic of every single scene. Even like something mundane as them walking from one scene to the next. And that, yeah, that, that was just that's the thing that I've always carried with this film. Yeah. Yeah, and um, not just the like the, the the film composition, but the sound design in this film. Oh, is yes, so right. well Minimal. done. Like so and, minimalist with the music. And, and just based on the sound, is there anything as amazing as Nakadai's voice? Like him oh. laughing or him just saying stop. Yeah. It's just like, oh my god, the power behind it is just mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, uh, sorry, I keep, like, Matt, I, I should let you jump in on it. Oh, no, 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 I'm, you, y'all just do what you're going to do. I'm agreeing, I'm, agreeing collect- <laughs> I'm agreeing collectively with all of you. I have nothing bad to say about this movie at all. Um, I, I guess to carry with what uh, Eric just said. Yeah, I, and I was going to say, too, like, um, a lot of it is there's just a lot of talking and a lot of silence. But the talking, even the script, I think, is is nice and clean. Um, and, like, there's just some great quotes, like what Eric said. I mean, Nakadai is just sitting there, and he just, his his voice just penetrates and then like and i hope these translations are accurate but i mean some of my favorite lines was like you know what befalls others today may be your own fate tomorrow you know and just the way he delivers it like i can't do it right because you know with the waves that in the japanese and then there was another one i just i laughed at which was like swordsmanship untested in battle 
It's like the art of swimming masters on land. <laughs> it's just these beautiful, like little, like snippets. So I, yeah. I, I also love that Ishiro Nakatani, who played, um, uh, who did he play in this movie? Uh, Yazaki, who was one of the three guys. Right. He's also the brother who dies in Sword of Doom. Sure, yes. Right at the beginning. Oh, and I'm just sitting there like, oh. did we pick these movies on purpose? <laughs> By the no same joke. person, right? Yeah. God. Just yeah, amazing. Pure coincidence. Yeah. I love their faces. I mean, that, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're just mm-hmm. the dramatic because of the black and white. It really mm-hmm. stands out, so. Yeah. Oh. But it is one of it was the simplest movie to follow in that. So I, I gotta say, like whatever the translation was in that, it it was it was it was really good because like yeah. I never felt out of step with the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all right. I, well I, I wait, wait, I will I will add. Oh, oh. Um if you <laughs> how do I add this? Uh, it'll, it'll be it'll be a transition to the next one, to the next okay. one because okay. uh, in okay. twenty eleven, Takashi Miike uh did a a remake of this film yes in western cinema is called harakiri death of a samurai mm-hmm. and um because of how this director is a lot of the scenes were very similarly shot so the beginning mm-hmm. is the same a lot yeah. of things are different but because it's more modern cinema and he has a lot more money mm-hmm. there's a lot more to add but because of yeah. the, it's this film a lot of it is still just him sitting there talking, and it's yeah, it's a, it's a great remake. I think it's really good. Okay, um, can't wait to watch it. The ending. Oh, I'm very curious. The ending, but not to make it a total, um, you know, shot for shot remake like Psycho from many the early nineties. Yeah, or we don't talk about that movie. We don't um, this movie them. does change some things up, and I think if okay. you do want to watch the remake, the ending is a little more tragic. Yeah. Oh my god. You definitely watch both of them and don't take the remake as a as a shot for shot word for yeah. word remake. Exactly. Uh, there, it is its own film. There's a beautiful More sequence tragic. at the end that's set in snow. And just yes. because of because it is in color, it adds so much and it's so brutal. Yeah, see, that was my one skepticism. Like I'm definitely gonna check it out. But because I'm so in love with like the black and whites, mm. I was just like, ah, oh, how could this remake be possibly any good? But I mean, it's nice to know that they actually contrast it with yeah. the snow scene too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. the red will be very powerful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't so, want to say anything. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just saying that, right? Oh, I'm, that's my guess because yeah. I've watched yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, that's not the thing that makes it more tragic. There's something even. Yeah, yes. say don't say don't say anything but, else, Eric. Don't oh, say anything man. else. But but Takashi Miike is such a fan of that. Um, genre of cinema that he remade another film. Yeah, so yes, that's a perfect segue to Matt. Yes, he did. In 2010, Takashi Miike uh, remade uh, uh, Ichi Kudo's 1963 film 13 Assassins. Um, and this was, again, I said I, I watched the original. Um, and this one, I will openly admit, I picked this one kind of blind. Because I didn't want to pick the original one. I wanted to actually, I wanted to pick the remake because I'm a big mark for Takashi Miike. I love his stuff. I was telling the guy, I remember telling you guys off, off mic earlier that I, I find it so intriguing because he is able to find such beauty in some of the most horrific imagery that he creates. Audition. That he finds a way. Audition. Don't uh, talk about it. Ah, ah. Uh, Ichi the Killer <laughs> is another one. Where he's able, but he crafts these beautiful images with horrific things, but he still finds a way to create. It's it's horrifically beautiful, and it's that's a skill that a lot of filmmakers yeah. do not have. Um, and this this movie is no exception. 
because as much as, as he has a reputation for horrendously gory films, um, this movie was not as gory as it could oh. have been. Now, it's that true. being said, there are moments that are definitely there. Yeah. Um, near the end, well, yeah, there's, I mean, the, the great example is the runtime of this movie is 125 minutes plus minus, depending on which version of it you watch. Um, the final big battle between the, the 13 assassins and the, the Lord's retinue of guards lasts approximately 45 minutes. Yeah. So right. over a third of this film is one giant battle sequence. Yeah, it's crazy. And I have never seen any, any fight shot as well as this, yeah. um, where you actually are able to follow everything that's happening. And yeah, that's he, true. And, they, and he tells story in the middle of the fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, so that's true. <laughs> the, um, 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 and he uses some yeah. beautiful image. Like there's the one shot that's stuck with me from this film the most. And I'll go into a bit of a synopsis after this. But there's one shot in that fight where uh, one of the characters uh, is dying. And he's, he's basically fallen down against his fence and is dying. And there is a about a four and a half minute POV shot of him dying, watching one of his comrades fighting. Right. That's actually shot with him upside. So you watching it from his POV. So it's upside down and at an angle from where his head lays. And it's a perfect POV shot for that entire time. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, and it's so sad, but it's so, again, it's so beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um, Especially the but, relationship between those two characters. Oh, yeah, like, I know. It's, just, yeah. oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's um, a quick synopsis. I'm going to bring up my notes uh, for this, so I do it. I don't do it injustice. Um, da, 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 as I scroll to it, I'll, I'll, I'll say something while you're looking for this. Um, I, I've got it, but you can go. The, the so the remake, um, you know, happened in 2010, and with mm-hmm. the 45 minutes action sequence at the end. But the original film had a 30 minute action sequence yes. at the end with this last battle. So. Mm-hmm. Um, just adding a little bit more. It's just, it's just so putting in, 15 in more of what they did. It's just so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so th- this film uh, is loosely based on historical events. Uh, it's set in 1844, right at the end of the, in the decline of the Edo period. All right. Um, where a group of 13 assassins, which is 12 samurai and a hunter uh, are basically brought in uh, to assassinate uh, one of the leaders of the Akashi clan. Uh, who to basically to stop him from being appointed to the Shogunate Council and basically making him the second in command of of the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so that you get you get a, a good chunk of the the political spectrum at the very beginning of the movie, where there's you know these this one the head samurai is is brought in to take care of this problem because you basically have this this evil Lord who, and for the record, that character yeah. transcends evil into pure monstrosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He really is a monster. Um, and he was, he was like that in real life um, by all historical accounts. Yeah. The actual um, character, uh, the part that I found the most, uh, and I don't want to say entertaining, but unique was that the actor that played the role, the, the character is, uh, and I'm going to probably butcher the pronunciation of both the character and his name. Uh, it's, um, Matsudaria Naritsugu was the lord that they were referencing. Uh, the actor that played him was Goro Inagaki. And just to give this a Western equivalent, he, that would be the equivalent of Justin Timberlake playing uh, a psychotic villain because he was actually part of a, a very popular Japanese boy band at the time. Oh, man. 
uh, and like was, was by all accounts considered like a national heartthrob and took on this absolutely savage, insane character and played him so beautifully, decadently emotionless. Yeah. Like it's, he, it, he doesn't say much throughout most of the film, but you can see he's just such a great encapsulation of how twistedly decadent the ruling class of that era yeah. was. Yeah, totally he uncaring. Just, yeah. And he, well, he says so many times, like, the poor's job is to serve the rich. And then it takes till the very end for him to realize, to, for him to actually feel anything. Mm-hmm. And he has a complete emotional breakdown at the end when he finally starts to feel because he realizes what he's done and what he's, go- what he's going through and what he has done to people. Masterfully acted from someone that, by all accounts, no one would have assumed would be able to pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know uh, that adds so much to this performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I compare, I compare this to like, you know, uh, the Ryan Asuke character from sort of doom and that, you know, he's just completely out of touch. Um, yeah. and I think this was like the, one of the, the problem with like uh, pretty much both systems, like uh, in Japan and that, like, you know, from the Shogunite to the Meiji and that, you know, is that they're, they're top, they're, you know, their top guys they thought were basically God's anointed people in that. And this yep. is why the, this kind of behavior was tolerated. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the, the issue with Naragutsu is, uh, uh, wait, Naritsugu, is that true, he yeah. rose to power when he was like eight or nine. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Um, he had died when he was, what, 20 or something. And he yeah. had married at 10, mm-hmm. nine or 10. So um, the history behind him is that he, because of him being so young, he had just, the power had gone to his head by the time he was a teenager. Yeah. He just, he, and he, and he had been well. He was Sadistic. related to, to the old Shogun, and then when the Shogun died, and new Shogun took yeah. over, he his his clan was adopted into that family. So he basically then became the yeah. brother of the new Shogun. So he had just been like yeah. top tier his entire life. Yeah, fast had no concept of reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. They uh, encapsulated is, existence. Yeah, and was oh. is made grossly apparent every time you see him in the film. Oh man. Um, but there's just, there's some beautiful, like, again, you see a lot of the politicking and especially when it comes to the recruiting of, of the, the ultimately the 13 assassins, mm-hmm. it's very much a, you can tell none of them want like the, 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 the main samurai that is contracted, which is uh, Shimada Shinazaman. Right. Is the, was the, basically the point man for this. He was the one that was appro- approached by uh, Sir Doi to carry out this, ta- this sensitive task. Mm-hmm. Um, he really didn't want to do it. He was uh, basically a retired samurai and he was, you know, was, was a fisherman. And because he was one of the best swordsmen in the land, he was contracted to do this and brought together a team of people he could trust. Yes. For what he says in the film is like, uh, is a huge gamble. Because mm-hmm. they do the entire film, it's never a, we've got this, we've got it all locked down. It's fine. They are questioning what, whether what they're doing is right, yeah, and whether what they're doing is going to work the entire time. And they just they second guess themselves. Everyone second guesses themselves, but they're all so committed to the cause mm-hmm. of ending this monstrous human. Yeah, that yeah. you really like. There's never a question of are they on the right side. They're a hundred percent in the yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I I loved how how committed he was to this. Now he knew it was a gamble. Like he pretty oh, much yeah. bet everything. You know. Yes. Uh, I believe a small fortune in that actually went into buying a town in that. Uh, yes, they, the, yeah. they literally yeah, they, they buy up. out an entire town to set up uh, a series of traps for this army. Those traps are so well done, especially after oh, watching the original version. Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting there like, oh, these guys are like, these guys are just so good. And just yeah. Like, it was all, and it was so well calculated. Like the last 45 minutes alone of this movie, it's just so brilliant because the, the way they set it up, they lay the whole plan out. It's, it's brilliantly done. The only flaw in their plan was that they were planning for the Lord and a, a group of 70 men. And they ended up walking into the town with 200. Yeah. <laughs> and even when they find out there's 200 coming, they say it doesn't matter. Yeah. They have to do a it. good day to die. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's like it's like the Seven Samurai concept, but then like dialed up to because I never saw the original Thirteen Assassins, so I don't know how that plays out. So I'm just just based on like my observation from this movie. Yeah, it's that idea, but all the romanticism of it is drained, and it's just yes. like yeah. people with skills with a job to do, mm-hmm. and there's no question for the audience it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, tying it back to some of the other stuff we've been talking about, there's the, you know, the samurai duty versus the conscience. And this is an interesting movie because they merge in this film. Yeah. Usually there's a conflict, but in this case, the leader, he knows that, you know, he's probably one of the only people who can do this mm-hmm. and he knows it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, the, and it also becomes a really kind of becomes a, a big debate between himself and the, the bodyguard of the Lord. Yes, that was a great. Scene. And, it, and they have a wonderful, like a beautiful conversation where before before both parties leave to do what they're going to do, they actually meet and talk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "This ha- it has to be done." He's like, "But my duty's to the Lord." It's like, "But it shouldn't be." Yeah, he's like, "But that's what that's our duty." He's like, "But what about your conscience?" Like, it's not my job to have a conscience. It's my job mm-hmm. to serve my Lord. Yeah, it really highlights that theme. Mm-hmm. You know, that's common yeah. in samurai movies. Yeah. To answer uh, Steve's question about the original, um, mm-hmm. the great thing about Takashi Miike is that he honors, like both this and uh, Seppuku, he honors the original film yeah, sure. while still making it his own. Mm-hmm. So the first shot of both 13 Assassins and uh, Seppuku are shot for shot what the original did, but then he mm-hmm. veers from that. Mm-hmm. And he makes it this amazing, beautiful yeah. film that and, is uniquely uh, his own. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I also love, again, I always go back to that fight sequence because, again, it is the predominant set piece in the film because it's what the entire film builds to. There is nothing clean about what happens in that fight. Yeah, that's like that's it is, the Mike element of this movie. Yeah, but because yeah, again, when you pay, when you, you think of a stereotypical samurai film, it's very much a everyone's you know they're wearing the clean white, the clean white or the yeah. clean dark robes. And they're facing off against each other. And in this film, it, it that last battle is pure chaos. Yeah. Yeah. I um, love how chaotic Koyad, uh, Koyata, Koyata was yeah. in the whole, that whole end sequence with his giant. He's got a stick, a stick and a rock. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, the yeah, he's the only one that actively refuses to fight with a, a katana. He only will fight with a stick he's and a rock. And he's making fun of samurai the whole time. Oh, yeah. He's so good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the reason, I don't know if this holds up or not, but the reason I decided to put uh, Harry Curie and 13 Assassins at the end here is because mm-hmm. you got this movie from 1962 that I think actually was, might have been a commentary on uh, after the war, you know, because mm-hmm. it's taking the notion of Bushido and then it's kind of talking about the facades of tradition, mm-hmm. you know, and, and about being more human. Yeah. And then you've got this movie from, from 2010 
um, which is, uh, uh, you know, again, it ends in just total brutality because mm-hmm. Harry Curie does to an extent, but mm-hmm. the brutality in 13 Assass- Assassins is legendary. I mean, you, yeah. you gotta, like you can't have a fight scene go for half an hour unless you have 13 guys you care about to survive and get killed one by one exactly. to make it that long, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and yet you care about all these guys, you know, mm-hmm. and it is just, yeah, it is a slog. It is ugly. Cause yeah. I mean, a traditional quote unquote samurai movie, would have you just have, oh, it's like two cuts and then one guy falls over, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've gotten to the point where in 2010, it's just like, mm-hmm. like spikes and people bleeding, yeah. and like just throwing swords and it's just, yes. it's just terrible, you know? It's like the third act of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, very much so. <laughs> I love much how so. much, uh, um, you know, he's, he's evolved as a filmmaker. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we go yeah. back to some of the oldest stuff like, you know, E.T. the Killer. Right. Is that the weirdest film you've ever seen? <laughs> oh, it is. It's just and it's just buckets of blood for the sake of blood, and that's what that's one thing I loved about Thirteen is that there is very minimal amounts of actual like geysery bloodshed in the film, and yeah, especially in that last fight, there's minimal blood actually seen. No, it, yeah. he's gone. Ta- he's very. He's become a tasteful director, and it hasn't hurt yeah. him a bit. Yeah, I also feel like he had to pull back for this film because there is so much history with mm-hmm. this um, film. Yeah, maybe even with Seppuku, he pulled back um, his his remake. Right. Well, but he did. He does have some stuff earlier on, like with uh, the one with. The, oh, he the, still the, makes it his own for sure. Yeah, but he well, it's the back. one thing that gets me, and this is my my absolute one of my favorite mo- moments is when they're trying to convince the samurai to join the cause, and they bring in the one victim. Yeah, that's the story. scene I was thinking of. And oh. then, and then mm-hmm. which again is like that is pure. That's but but the when she writes out that scroll and then and then later in the film when he brings it out again it's total annihilation and you're just like yes because like you see him in the fact that that he carried that with him the entire time just so he could show him that yeah yeah, um, I, was oh, I was always wondering. It was like I saw this thing sticking out of his robes the entire time. You know? Yeah, it was, was like, that. Maybe, that's, I was, was thinking maybe it was a will or something, yeah. something to leave. No, it was, no, it was, and it was such for me such a beautiful moment. Again, brought mm. back to this horrific thing, but this beautiful like, why am I doing this? Boom. Yeah, man, I don't know if you recall, but I don't think as many people died in the original, did they? No. I don't think I think they I think more people died in this at least they, out of the 13 of them. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there no, was like four is, of them that survived in in the original. I feel that like is it's correct. Four, but I can't remember. Four, uh, three or four I can't remember exactly. Yeah. This but this one I mean they had to give it a more tragic ending especially yeah, well, a more seven samurai yeah, yeah they, well, they had to yeah <laughs> it's, it, again it's one of those it is based loose on history but I mean in historically the lord died of illness on his trip. Yeah. Yeah, so the the only part that's really of historic um credit uh, uh, credibility is just the lord. There's well, these Sir guys Doyle, the, yeah, yeah, Sir Doyle, Doyle, yeah well, all, all the royals that they talked about. But none of these assassins were real people. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 That we know about again it could be a big conspiracy. <laughs> we, yeah. found, we find out in movie 4. <laughs> yeah. Well, or just more bodies floating down the river. Yeah. Oh. It's, uh, it's 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 a it's a neat little fable and it's a very very cool little fable that yeah. again wrapped around history but you can take history and make it very entertaining especially in that in those eras. I mean there's so much room for that. Yeah. Yeah. 
And wow. uh, one thing I just want to throw in the very t- tail tail into this is that I was really impressed with uh, because this movie also received like almost universal acclaim. Yes, from critics. Um, the biggest commentary on it was that people were very impressed with his use of very very subtle CGI in the film mm. because there was CGI used, but you wouldn't be able to find where it is because it was mostly used to accentuate certain shots to make them more impressive. Like, you know, like people were closer to f- to fences crashing together than they actually were, or that it was never used to like make it more gory. It was just used to make it more realistic. Sure. Yeah. 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 Mm. No, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing film by mm-hmm. a director who is like a machine. I mean, mm-hmm. to such a prodigious output like you know like he because he experimented with a lot of different forms he went to digital video like back in the early 2000s yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. because he thought it's so cheap i can make anything i want Mm -hmm. yeah no the guy is uh is amazing as a Mm -hmm. he's very prolific is the correct word to use with this 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 guy and uh, and yeah for him to take on these different genres like i was amazed like you know uh with this film because i know him for you know, each of the killer and some of his other more like esoteric, you know, crazy over the top stuff. And to see him like construct like a refrained, like more traditional film um, was that's just amazing. But I mean, it just shows his actual skill. Like, you know, he's exactly, he's just, yeah, he just, he's, he's got experience and he yeah. uses it well in this movie. His, his early stuff was to get everyone's attention. And once he got their attention, he made, he's crafted some beautiful cinema since then. Yeah. Now I keep on thinking about audition. Thanks, Hawk. Oh uh, yeah, uh, stop talking about it. Oh man. <laughs> I hadn't seen that movie in years. God. Uh, you don't have to see it in years. Giddy, 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 giddy. Ah, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> man, the last the last movie review show I was on, the guy used to do that to me every single time to get that exact reaction. He'd like on off like he wouldn't even make the sound effect. He would just do this. You know, and I would lose it. Yeah. And uh, I was doing a gesture from that movie in case anyone is wondering. <laughs> Damn it, Hawk. So, <laughs> if, uh, if you want to see a more recent movie, like he, he's done some really crazy things. He did um he did a remake of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um mm-hmm. which is really crazy, yeah. He I think I don't know if it's um one Wait, this is a live series. action by yeah, Takashi Miike of JoJo? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, my brain is going to explode. <laughs> Did you see uh, Blade of the Immortal? No, I, I yeah, that I one was on Netflix for a while, right? I mean, yeah. I is still there. Isn't that no, there anymore? Unfortunately, I, I oh. checked because yeah. when this when we uh, we started doing the yeah. you know selection for the, I was Ooh. that was on my list too. Yeah, yeah it's great. See, I, I wasn't surprised when they cast him when they when they had him do that movie. I was like, oh, that's totally a Takashi yeah. movie, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And parts of the cast are in the two movies that we talked yep. about. Well, of course. And 13 Assassins. So he has some I good, mean, there good were actors. so many movies I was looking at. I was like, oh, should I go really campy? Should I go for something like really dramatic? And like, it's, it's hard, eh? I mean, I'm sure all of us like went through like a bunch of movies. So, oh, I mean, yeah. this is something we could go on and on about, but uh, I think, I think we had a really good selection and actually I'm, I'm glad Marcus, you chose Warriors Way to lighten things up a bit because, like, man, all four of these movies like so depressing, you know. And I think that's, that's just an element I think of of samurai movies to a degree. Yeah. You know, you celebrate something visually beautiful, but you you leave like kind of broken up inside. So um, I think of the main four. Like, we all selected things that focused on the end, you know, of right. it. Uh, it always it always drew me back to. Um, the very first episode of the Sopranos, which is also a drama about clans rivaling each other in that. Um, mm-hmm. And something Tony said to the psychiatrist at the very beginning and that it's like, it's always good to get in at the beginning of something, but lately I feel like I'm at the end of it. 
nice. Yeah. I guess if that's uh, if that's the end of this, I think we're gonna end this with a quote from Ghost of Tsushima, said oh. by Sensei Ishikawa: Ooh. "A samurai is more than a killer." And we learned this with all of the movies that we have mm-hmm. seen today. So yep. I don't think we need to promo Mark stuff because we do it every week and we're going to do it mm-hmm. next week. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it again. <laughs> yeah. We have Mark on again. Uh, mm-hmm. Marcus. Mar- Mar- Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you, Marcus, Steve, uh, Matt Moore, and Huck for coming on talking about our favorite samurai movies. Maybe we'll do a more lighter samurai movie eventually so we can pop in the Wolverine in there. Uh, uh, I want to put Ghost Dog in there, but yeah, Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> I think next one will be will be like Western Samurai. Yes. Oh, then I'm doing Unforgiven for sure. Yeah, yeah, because oh, you guys need to see that. You just, oh. Have you not seen this? So they remade Unforgiven in a Samurai film. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. still haven't it, seen it. Yeah, it's I really so want good. To. I, yeah, we'll, we will talk about it later. We'll definitely have that coming down the pipeline exactly. sooner rather than later. So thank you guys for coming on. Thank you listeners for coming and listening to us gush about samurai films. Um, If you have your own uh, favorite samurai films, why don't you send us an email? All that info is in the post credits. Um, So thank you all for coming. Thank you all for listening. We shall see you another time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidstn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.